0: All right, we're live, we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sometimes when you set up stuff in a different room or you move things around, I've actually changed my computer in here. So I'm using my laptop. I wouldn't normally use this. I think there's something a little bit sketchy going on here with the uh, with the stream. But anyway, I'll stay around for about 20 or 30 minutes or so and make sure that uh, I answer the rest of the questions. And I want to also thank, um, was it Riff who gave the super chat on the last stream? Thank you, mate, I appreciate it. Sorry, I didn't get to say thanks on the before it crashed, but uh, yeah, it looked like the internet just couldn't connect to the YouTube server. At least that was the error that I was getting this first time for everything. So yeah, it is what it is. It sucks, but anyway, thank you. All right, if I missed your question, feel free to let us know. Um, I'll just give it a minute here to fire back up. Let's have some caffeine. Sponsored by Monster. They pay me 200 grand a, a live stream just to promote their drink. <laughs> Man, I, I do it just for free, free of monsters. No, I'm only kidding. All right. Welcome, welcome. Cool. <laughs> yeah, this was a bit of a a tricky one to get working again. I had to, the software, I not that this interests anybody, but the software I use to stream to the web is slightly different on the new version. So... Yeah. Hey, Amanda, welcome. Steve, welcome back. we got got, uh, is it Thomas? Welcome, welcome. All right, cool. Jamal, how you doing, man? <laughs> oh, it went live and then it crashed and now we're live again. So fingers crossed this is gonna work for a bit. All right. Thanks for joining in. I don't know if I'll leave this one public after um, I think the 40 minute one's probably going to be a bit better than a shorter secondary um, live stream but anyway we'll um, we'll hang around for a bit here make sure that it's all working yeah th- this live streaming stuff I've got a pretty simplified setup and sometimes stuff just goes wrong it's really weird uh, basement pedal says what's my thoughts on tweet amps mixed you know some of them I really like the sound of. And others, I'm not a huge fan of. It really just depends on what it is. Um, Some people love the old-school Tweet Amp thing where there's no reverb circuit, single speaker, that just have lots and lots of mids. And I kind of get that. In the mix, they sound great. I'm more partial to something not quite as old-school as that. I mean, I've got a Fender Blues Deluxe reissue, which is a Tweet Amp. Uh, It's loaded with a different speaker now, but... um, I don't consider that necessarily a straight up old school tweed sounding amplifier. Some might argue that it has those qualities, but I think of stuff like the, you know, Eric Clapton uh, Tremolux or the, the Twinolux. Those are the two sort of tweed amps that I've heard a lot of over the years and those have a, you know, as dry as they sound, they sound unreal. And those in the mix sound fantastic. And then there's others that can sound a little bit too ice picky on the high end too. It really depends on the, the amp, the player, the tone. <laughs> I have nothing against any amp as long as they're good. You know, a while back I, I thought, oh, I'd never like a 5150. I heard one. I was like, that's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's all it all depends on what it is. Do I have any plans to review the Keeley Halo pedal? Um, you know, I, I I haven't actually looked into that one. I've heard of it, but as of right now, I, I don't know if um, I could probably get my hands on one. I, I do have a contact at Keely, but um, yeah, I as of right now, no, there wasn't any plans to do it. I, I kind of, I don't mind their stuff, actually. Some of their stuff is great, so I'd be open to it. But yeah, I, I, I don't really sort of like spend a lot of time emailing companies, so I'll have to make an effort for that one and I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Um, All right, have I tried Amplitude 5? They're releasing an amp profiling capture extension complete with Kemper Quad Cortex. Um, No, I haven't tried that. That sounds good too. If you're into that sort of stuff, um, this is the thing. I think a few companies have done this, right? Where they started like as a software company and then they released amps. I feel like there was one I saw at um, the Melbourne Guitar Show like three years ago that was that exact thing. Was it bias effects maybe? They had like a bias suite and then they went into amps. So that could be cool. If I've got that misunderstood, just let us know. I, I need to also make this bigger. Why does the chat always reduce in size? Um. Anyway, it, it should be all right. Uh, Dave said, Hey Shane, I missed part one because I'm also watching Pete Thorne's live stream. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know he was live. I don't even check. I, I just... I was like, I've got this room set up kind of nice. Let's hit record and hit stream and see what happens. Um, have you tried any uh, CMAT mod pedals? I have, but not for seven years. You'll have to, if you go right back, uh, Not that's not even right back to the start. It might be longer than that. Actually, it might be more like 10 years ago. <laughs> if you go back to the early days of the channel or just type in that keyword in my search tool, you'll see it. Um, from memory, they're pretty great. I, I just don't remember what I what it was I tested because I borrowed those off my friend Brian, I'm pretty sure, was it or was it Rick? One of the guys had it anyway. So that's how I got my hands on them. And they were pretty cool. I never owned them though. And I don't know enough about them currently to really comment any more than that. Cause it's been a long time since I've even heard the name. So, but from what I remember, solid quality pedals. Uh, when recording your demos, do you record multiple mics to blend? multiple mics to blend down or go into a single mic so it really depends on what i'm doing so on the intro tracks well let's just take the jerry's thing for example what i did over there so the intros were all done using the strymon iridium because i had a reference monitor that i needed to hear right so anytime you're listening you're playing music or you're recording you need to hear a mix of what's coming back so we needed a pedal or recording device for that particular situation and that's got that speaker IR cab thing built into it. And it's great, it sounded unreal. So we just, I left it on the Fender preset, bit of reverb, ran my pedals into it. And that's that sound for the intro. For when I do amp demos though, and I've actually got the amp mic'd up, I'll pick two microphones. And there's some really classic combinations you can't go too far wrong with. It's funny, like I, I've noticed so many people using my exact combination from years ago. Shure SM57, classic nothing new there. And a Sennheiser E906, it's a classic microphone, works great, sounds very different to the SM57. The trick is you got to kind of get them equal distance from the cone. That will give you the best representation of, or the best recording, I should say. And it will also make the post work that you need to do much easier. I don't do much post work. So what you're hearing on my videos, is the blend between both microphones even left and right so when I record them say a two channel audio interface I'll set them up so when I look at the waveform or the audio input on my recording software they're peaking at exactly the same spot a lot of people will go okay so that's it done and if you're recording into a like a stereo track it gets a bit nerdy but if you're recording into a stereo track you want to sort of downmix the output back to mono or separate the the tracks, or if you're recording on separate tracks, then you're okay. You can get a blend between them both, bring one up, bring one down if you need to, but that's all I do. I usually just, I record on a stereo track, and when I get into my software, I pull it back to separated mono tracks, which stops them from being hard panned left and right, basically, and then I've got two, I have got 2 i got a blend between them both. That's what I go for. You know, some people will swear by other techniques, the blend technique is by far the best. A bit of a long-winded answer, but you can't really go too far wrong with getting a good blend between two great microphones, whether that's a condenser microphone, a ribbon mic, two dynamic microphones. Just having two separate voicings is much better than one on its own. As long as you don't have the second mic too far back, because all of a sudden you're going to get all these weird phasing issues. The trick to recording great electric guitar is having the same distance away from the cone with both, or, or making sure the distance of each microphone is placed at exactly the same or close to the same distance away from the cone. And then you're laughing. So that makes a huge difference. Hey, thanks for the super chat, mate. Uh, Thomas, I appreciate it, mate. You cost me plenty of money after watching your review, so I might as well give <laughs> you some of it too. Hey, thank you, mate. I appreciate it. I, I, far out. That's. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, this this what I do on YouTube on this channel happens to me with other products that I'm always looking for as well. It's it really does. Um I'm a I'm a huge camera nerd. No questions about it. I love tech as <laughs> it's just one of my things. And I get I get right into it and I'm like, all right, this is what I'm gonna do. And uh yeah, I, I can blame plenty of other channels uh for for exactly the same thing. Thank you, thank you, mate. I, I appreciate it. I don't know if Riff Magoo is back, but uh, I just want to thank him again for the super chat on the last live stream. If he if he's joined us again, um, and welcome back everybody. Sorry again for the the downtime. If you've just joined me here, um, yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for the support, mate. I appreciate it. All right. So uh, I'm just going to go back up here, take some questions. The super chat just like pops right up here and. <laughs> Any thoughts on the Fender American Player Telecaster? Did you play one of those with the, uh, is it, how do you say that? Is it Yosemite? Is that how you say that? Pickups? They sound sick. Uh, so I've played the American Player Tally before. They, they're really good. I've actually done, I'm pretty sure reviews on the Channel and a Live playtest with them as well. So you can probably find that on the, not at a gig, just in like a, a live shop um, session we did. They're great I, I don't remember if they had those pickups in there or not they sound like they could be something slightly different um it's it's been a while so i'm not i'm not like 100 percent positive which pickups are in the one that i played which would be last year now so yeah I, I i'm not too sure but they're solid guitars you can't really go too far wrong you know so little changes every year with fender standards and fender player series or fender what were the standards they changed the name so all that kind of stuff. Very little changes. You could buy a guitar that's ten years old, and it'll be every bit as good as the one that's out now. Um, you know, some people will disagree that pickups might have gotten better, or the radius of the fretboard's changed, and that's true. But or the or the neck profile, I should say. But yeah, they they're, they're going to be good. So good stuff. All right, we've got bacon ba- uh, bacon tracks backing tr- bacon tracks backing tracks. Wow, that's a that's a mouthful, mate. <laughs> Have you tried the Gibson Melody Maker with P90s and Bigsby? I'm about to buy one. You know what? Thanks, thanks for the super chat as well. Appreciate it. No, but I saw one on a guitar search Saturdays we did at the Guitar Attic in Florida, a place where I've bought guitars over the years, and it's a it's a super cool guitar. He had the single. I want to say. Oh, you know what? I can't remember if he had the one with the P90 or if it was a Humbucker version, but it was a cool guitar. Um, I think far less expensive too, right? From what I understand compared to a lot of other models that were out at the time. So um, I don't know if there's a new one because I, I, I'm not up to date with the latest of what's coming out from, from Gibson. But if you go back to the old Gibson Melody Makers, they're pretty pretty cool little guitars, a bit like a you know a Les Paul Jr. kind of thing. Um, but with a P ninety and, and Bigsby, you've got me intrigued enough to go sort of check it out and see what they got available. So thank you. Hey Hutch, thanks man, far out. <laughs> thanks everybody, Hutch. You're a madman. Thanks for all the support over the years, mate. Um, yeah, geez guys, thank you. You don't have to do that. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let's scroll back up. Thank you, thank you everybody. Cheers. Um. <laughs> I'm laughing at some of the comments here. Uh, Amanda's like a rock star in the chat. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I think I'm I'm almost caught up. Uh, Did you do a review of the Epiphone ES three three five Pro versus the Inspired by Gibson line? Excuse me. <coughs> I have a Pro. I really enjoyed that guitar. Um, I've never reviewed one myself because there's no ES three three five. Oh, actually, I don't know if they make them in lefties. I don't think they do. Um, I know they don't do the 339s at all in lefties. The only one we get is the dot standard as a lefty. I could probably get my hands on them and ask someone else to help with the video. So that might be the way to go. But um, as of right now, I, I don't think I've played them. I think the Epiphone Casinos and ES-335s are far better instruments than the Casinos are. Like, it's not even close. So... If you're on the fence deciding between a casino and a guitar you can actually take out and play live and make a good amount of noise with, get the 335. Much better instrument overall. Playability is better. Tone is better. There's just lots about it. It's just a much more usable guitar with great pickups. You don't have to go modding it. It just works. And I gigged with one of those things for probably six, seven years. So they're really, really good. But it's all personal choice. If you're a jazz player or you might like a more mellow tone, just play rhythm guitar. The casinos are pretty good. The casinos used to be great. And this is the thing that kills me about them. I always wanted one. And then I played one and I went, Ugh. the neck's great, not great. Sorry, the neck isn't great. The neck join is just not very nice either. You can't get up too far and play. And as a blues player, I don't love it. It's funny because some of the old Epiphone casinos, some of my favorite guitars of all time. I don't know what happened with the ones that I've tried, but... Really disappointing. Um, asking because your mic demos are really well done. Hey, thank you. Oh, well, that's just experience, too. And that's not to sound like conceited. I've produced lots of recordings for people over the years, including myself, and doing what I do a lot also increases your your skill. You try stuff, you go, oh, okay, so that works really well. Um, And there's so many great microphones out there as well. But I think that the thing that really makes everything sound better when you record is starting it with a great sound. If the sound you've got out of your amplifier is good to begin with, it's making that whole process easier. Back in the day, I was never overly happy with my amp tone, especially when I was playing a Fender Twin for a while. I just couldn't get the sound I wanted. And the recordings reflected what I didn't like about my amp. I went over to a DeVille at that time, and the clean tone was instantly nicer. And when I mic'd it up in exactly the same way, I got a much better sound. So, well, to my ear, right? Everyone likes different stuff. But that's what it comes down to. It comes down to start with a great tone first, mic placement second, <laughs> and then you're pretty much good to go. Um, yeah, that, That's my opinions on it. All right, let me just scroll back down here. And and thanks again everybody for all the support here with the super chats far out. Um, Hutch says I don't know what happened, but I got kicked out and I couldn't get back on for a while. Yeah, the stream the stream dropped. I I don't know why. I had this um, it says excellent connection now. Before it didn't. It was like this yellow warning sign, which is why I thought it was going to crash early in the stream. But excuse me, but now it's um it seems to be working all right. Um, The old Outlaw says, I find the irony with not so many gigs around now, yet we have an overload of great gear, pedals, guitars. Um, uh, Where were they 30 years ago when people wanted the selection, variety and competitive prices? Well, that's it. You'll probably find like everyone who bought guitars in the last two years who wanted to pick it back up that might not have played for a long time you'll probably see a huge it may already be like this i don't i haven't been looking as much for like used gear sometimes i'll look for amps there's still there's plenty of stuff online if you do look but i think you're going to see a huge amount of stuff hit the the used market the problem with it is though because the retail prices have gone up so much you'll probably find that the the used market will kind of you know it'll it'll also go up it's like in australia right now buying a used car is more expensive than it's ever been because the demand's there for it. Um, Not because it's worth more, but that's just how it is. I wonder whether or not, like, people will still be buying instruments, but also the selling part will go up as well. But more people will be starting to move to the used market, but paying more than they probably would have as of a few years ago. So, yeah, it's an interesting sort of thing. Um, Have you ever bought a guitar that you like, even though you don't need it, because the price is really good. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I've done that before. I, I did that with the Gibson, uh, Les Paul special with the P90s. I got a good deal on that and, um, it wasn't as expensive as I thought it was going to be for a Gibson. And that was one that I didn't need that I I liked enough to just to go, okay, I'm going to get that. Um, I've done that a few times actually. It was one time I bought a, a Fender made in Mexico Strat, the a white one that I had quite a number of years ago now, probably six, seven years ago. And I was like, man, that that this is awesome. <laughs> and I actually went there because my friend was gonna buy an amp and I ended up buying a guitar. So it happens to me too. You're just in the right place at the wrong time and you see a guitar, you go, okay. I'm sure I've done that a lot. If I, I, I actually collated a list of all my guitars over the years, it would, be, um, it would be pretty hilarious to work out what I bought, why I thought I needed it, whether I kept it, and all that kind of stuff because, yeah, it's crazy. Hey, Jamal, thank... Oh, mate, you're on... All right, we've got to set a new rule, folks. If you're on my Patreon page, <laughs> no super chats. <laughs> thank you, mate. Far out. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I know it's been ages since I've been doing live streams, all that kind of stuff. It, you know, preparing before I went away, coming back, <laughs> getting sick, and here we are. So the channel is going to start moving forward. I'm also going to mix up the content again coming up. I know Jamal and a few of the and a few of the other guys who are on Patreon know this already, but I have plans to do some different things on the channel again. Bring back some stuff I let go because other people were doing it. And then I thought, you know what? I'm gonna start just doing what I want to do again. And it's gonna be it's gonna be great. So yeah, thanks again for all the support, guys. Um, <clears throat> ooh, Dennis says, hang on, hang on, guys. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Dennis says, just picked up a victory sheriff v4 amp pedal. What a beast. Need a bigger cab. Have you noticed? Have you checked any of the v4? series out um no they make good stuff you know I was never it's funny because I, I've had mixed experiences with their amps the first few amps I heard had this like really ice pick frequency you couldn't get rid of about two years later I heard another one and it sounded unreal so yeah I, I reckon their stuff's pretty solid it's not something that I've tried or had a chance to try because I don't know any shop in Melbourne that really even hold carries any of that stuff um But yeah, there's so much great stuff. Let us know if this interests you as well. I've done so many like pedal reviews over the years, right? Like, I don't know, there there must be a few hundred. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure of the number. But I thought I'm gonna go through the range of the classics. So maybe like 10 or 20 EHX pedals, 10 or 20 Boss pedals, and there's already some obviously of the Boss pedals, and just start going through Ibanez, all the stuff that I think most people are interested in because the boutique stuff's cool and that's the stuff that I really enjoy but I think there's still a huge, like I think a lot of the the standards get kind of overlooked and I thought I might revisit them at some point because I can get my hands on all that gear really easily, I can just borrow it from the shop and return it to them when I'm done so um, yeah I thought that might be might be kind of fun uh, Robert says enjoyed your Collings review today, hey thanks man you're one of the 10 people that watched it <laughs> <laughs> um uh sorry i i've owned a calling cl deluxe for 18 years and put in and put a do, uh, doll is it collars man i need to make this bigger yeah uh pickups in uh blows away the gibson lps man those guitars are some of the best playing instruments i've ever played there's this thing i like to call fight on a guitar if you play a great guitar it's easy to play and you forget Everything about it, like you you can just play it. That guitar, tuned it up, did the video almost in one full take. (laughs) It was unreal. Um, Just to let you know too, all those videos were shot in like four or five days at the shop. So there's 20 odd review videos. Um, Massive, (laughs) massive undertaking. So if you're looking for something a little different to watch other than Epiphone or Squire or Yamaha Pacifica, go check out that playlist. It's even if you're not interested in like, higher end more expensive guitars there's some really hidden great hidden gems out there and the calling stuff is some of the best that lp or cl i should say not only looks good it stays in tune i like the cutaway and all those modern appointments are something that i'm starting to appreciate far more than i used to i never really used to like anything out of the of the norm now i'm almost going the other way i much prefer something that's a bit more contoured which may explain why I'm playing my Strat a little bit more. I don't know if it'll ever replace the Telecaster, but I love the whole modern Telecaster vibe too. There's so much to like about guitars that have more usable tones or or they're more comfortable to play or they've got locking tuners or things that might be upgrades over some of the really expensive guitars that haven't changed in 50 years. So yeah, that playlist is full of really cool stuff and there's some really interesting ones coming up. So... Yeah, we, I've sort of saved them for the last 10. So thank you. And uh, congrats, what a great guitar. <laughs> uh, Jamal says he's driving, that's why I'm not chatting. Hey, stay safe, man, all good. Uh, I bought a bit of used gear recently. The people bought to try and learn guitar during the lockdown, Bargain, bargains galore. Oh, that's great. All right, I'm finally gonna pop this chat out. My screen is way too far away here to see. Let's, um, let's do this. Oh, here we go. Why didn't I do that at the start? Woo. All right, I'm gonna go through a few of these. Have you ever thought about str- switching strings over from the top to bottom to make a right handed guitar into a lefty? You know, my my short answer is no, but my long answer is yes. <laughs> I have thought about it a lot more lately. Not only just as it intrigues me a little bit to try it, and I know Jamal does that. He's got a Monterey Strat that he flipped upside down. I think that would look really cool. Um, The only problem I have, and I've said this before, I've played a lot of right-handed guitars upside down, and my forearm forever is knocking the volume and tone controls. It might just be the position of my arm or the way that I play, but I'm sort of going to have to relocate how I play on an upside-down right-handed guitar. But I could get into it. Maybe, it's a maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, I almost thought about maybe borrowing right-handed guitars, restringing them lefty for a review video, stringing them back up and and taking them back. But I don't know if that's um, how viable an option that is. But yeah. Uh, Jesse says, hi, Shane. Do you find that the neck relief changes on your maple neck tallies between winter and summer? You know what? Not really. They're bulletproof both of, oh, actually, I I did have a problem with one of them once. I needed to adjust the action slightly, but generally, it's only since being in this house. Generally, no, I haven't had a problem with it. Um, My Gibson Flying V actually had a massive problem the other day. Not only did the frets corrode in just over a month from being in, like, a damp room in a case, which was surprising, the neck was completely bowed, so I... Not i shouldn't say completely it was unplayable though so out came the allen key gave it a, a slight adjustment after cleaning the frets and restringing it and it plays and sounds great it's actually on the next video coming up i'm like oh it's back <laughs> um so i gotta say that although it gets cold here it doesn't get as cold as other parts of the world where you can have like drastic climate change from summer to winter like you would in like boston or canada <laughs> or wherever else right so um yeah it's not as bad here it doesn't snow so uh or at least not i shouldn't say doesn't snow where i am because it has before but it won't normally snow here so i usually find my telecasters are the most bulletproof out of all of my guitars they've got big necks on them or oh, both my tallies have fat necks too i don't know if that kind of contributes to it or not but I don't have too much of a problem. Sorry about my um, sinus here. It's still a bit funky. Mr. D says, did you bring back any guitars from me from the States? Jerry's lefty guitars must have felt like heaven for you. You know, every time I go there, I can't bring back guitars. (laughs) Um, Because traveling with a guitar sucks. Uh, I've done it before. And it's unless I'm playing like a lot, it's it's a huge pain. Um, Jerry's awesome. He said, if you want anything, let me know. We'll work out a price and you can well, I'll ship it over for you and well, I'll pay for the shipping. But he'll ship it to my house, basically. And there's one I really want. And I'm gonna put it to a vote. <laughs> Coming up. It's such a great guitar, but it's expensive. It's like. It's the the whole thing. Can I justify buying a, a guitar that's that expensive where with where I'm at now? And I, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can. It, it's it's more money than I'm used to spending on a guitar. It's great and it's worth a lot. Uh, if I was to buy it here, it'd be more expensive. But I don't know if I'm going to make the most out of it. And that, that's how I feel about it. Could it replace a few guitars? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I didn't buy, I didn't actually bring anything back music equipment wise other than, I think, a couple of cables or whatever. That was about it. But um, there's a, definitely a few. Ed- Alice L telecasters are fantastic as well if you get a chance to try those give them a go there's a number of them that i wanted and it's it just you know that trip doing that won't um it just wouldn't pay for one of those guitars and not that it needs to but you know money can go out much easier than it comes back so hey uh junsook thank you i appreciate the the support uh it's five bucks from canada that's like uh what's that probably like five dollars fifty here so <laughs> thanks mate I appreciate it thanks for your support um John says monterey Strat should be upside down yeah you, you're probably right about that yeah I could get into um I could get into giving that a shot I, I think it would be an interesting um sort of experiment but I'd need to find I'd really I'd really want something that I'd have no chance of ever finding in a lefty. So, I guess I guess that's a lot of options still, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, one sec. All right, Christian says, "Hey, Buzz, thank you, man. New guitar, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Buzz, you're awesome, mate. Thank you for the support. That's hilarious. New guitar fund. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, uh, man." Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Far out. Um, I'll come back to that in a sec. Uh, Christian says, question on my 68 custom reverb with Les Paul. When I when I drive it, it gets too punchy and I struggle to find a good spot in the mix live with it. Um, tips. All right. So when you're playing a deluxe reverb, there's a couple of really classic settings. Uh, it all comes down to the bass control and at what volume you're at so the louder you turn those amps up the further down you need to turn the bass a classic setting would be to have the bass at three o'clock uh sorry the bass on three so most of the way down right which is what uh like somewhere around nine o'clock on the clock scale so that will give you a cleaner sound but punchy is good when you're playing um when you're playing in in the mix right you want to be able to be heard or to hear yourself so um if you mean too bassy then it's mostly to do with eq if you find that you can't dial it out then you might have to look at either changing the speaker out or um working the volume a little bit more on your guitar les pauls and fender amps work really well together and if you're also using an overdrive pedal then you might also need to look at like what is this doing to my sound that it that happened that doesn't happen with it off, right? So yeah, there's a few things there. But oh, it's a custom Princeton Princeton reverb. Sorry. All right. So Princeton's are really punchy amps. That's part of their whole vibe. They're a great sounding amplifier. Those sixty eights. Um, again, I would say the the thing to do is to run the bass down most of the way. When, as soon as you start turning up, it will clear up the sound big time. Having a punchy sound in the context of a band mix is great. Again, if you're just talking about, if, if your terminology is different, let me know. But um, yeah, it's all in the EQ with those amps. There's a few classic settings, but just, there's this really great piece of advice I got years ago. It's to start with all the EQ off start turning up the treble until you hear it kick in and stop do the same with the mids and bass you don't necessarily need to be pushing everything forwards all of the time sometimes down is better but have it at the, the same volume that you you're experiencing problems at and then do it because that'll also change the sort of interaction with the volume all right hope that helps anyway just experiment around it's great amp so um if it's just too overbearing on the low end some Neck pickups can just be problematic. It could be that too. John says, Shane over backwards strat already. Hendrix, if you want to try it. Oh, that might be cool, man. Thanks. <laughs> um. Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying that out at some point just to see what, what it's like. Um. <clears throat> From a less poor player, I'm getting into the strat world, but the bridge pickup is not something I can really get use out of between a hot bridge, single coil versus humbucker pickup option, any opinion? All right, so if you're used to playing a humbucker bridge pickup, there's a huge difference going over to a Strat bridge pickup, but Strat bridge pickups are unreal when you dial them in right. They are, they're unreal. They've got a certain presence in the mix that are are great. But do they sound as beefy and as, you know, as the Les Paul will? Absolutely not but you can still make them work. And it comes down to, at least for me, when I play a Strat, I'm always using one particular dirt pedal. And it sounds unreal on bridge pickup. Some combinations won't ever fatten out your tone on the bridge. You kind of need a pedal or something in the in the chain that makes that bridge position, you know, you you want to keep the high end, but you don't want all of it sometimes. But you also want to fatten it out a whole lot more. Um, That's where those sort of like dumbbell pedals are really good for bridge pickup tones or any typical mid-hump pedal that shaves out a bit of high end can also be great for bridge pickup strat tones, especially live. So if you want that guitar to sound great, I don't get anything out of it, but check out um, the Buffalo FX Carrera Overdrive. That is the strat pedal of strat pedals. It is so good. You know, I didn't use it for a while. I went back to it and I went, oh, (laughs) It is unreal. So yeah, definitely give it a go. And I also think sometimes, um, like you've got to start with the sound that sounds okay before you click the pedals on. So have a good play with your amp. I always set up my amp before I do anything else. The pedals can be adjusted if I need to, but you want to get the sound that sounds good from the amp first. You know, people sometimes just leave everything on amps at 12 o'clock and then make the pedals get the sound out of the amp. I'm a little bit different. I'd rather get the amp to sound great clean or as good as I can get it to sound in the in the room and then turn my pedals on because that will work better. That means you don't have to fiddle with the pedal board much. It means the amp, it should just work. <laughs> oh, man, sorry about my nose. Um, one thing I've learned over the years too with... Um, strats lastly on this um some strat bridge pickups are just nasty especially if they're like fat 50s fat 50s are some of my least favorite strat pickups of all time i purchased a set of them and they're they're terrible the main mexico strat pickups were like infinitely better so um yeah just just keep that in keep that in mind hey thank you for the super chat uh Junsuk. hope i pronounced that correctly but, uh, yeah, th- thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, so YCJ got a flying V for his 40, 40th birthday. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Happy birthday, mate. Happy 40th. You're catching up on me. I've got a few years ahead of you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, flying V's are fantastic, mate. So uh, awesome work. Um, and uh, thanks thanks again for the super chat, uh, Jinsuk. I appreciate it. Sook, I should say that I think um the nuts loss my the nut slots must be become hang on Must be able to string a guitar in reverse easily oh the nuts okay yeah um I yeah the nut is what you'll need to switch if if you get a if you switch a guitar upside down that's exactly what you need to do you need to do that all right, I think I thanked everybody for the same. Uh, I think I thanked you for the same super chat as I did before there. You... Oh, no, there's two. Oh, there's another one. at John, thank you. <laughs> Love the show. I subscribed. I just bought a Fender American Professional 2 Telecaster. I can't wait to get it. Liked your review. Awesome. Congrats. Great guitars, man. You know, the amount of people I've recommended those two who are looking for a Tally or a Strat. Fantastic what can I say? I reckon they're the best production model guitars Fender have made in, in like those big runs, right? There's other models that are just as good on like the side runs, but for, you can't go wrong. I mean, that that's a guitar you can play and enjoy forever. Um. So congrats, man. Let us know how you go. Uh, is, you, is you already, already bought it? I oh, can't wait to get it. He said, so, okay, let us know how it goes once you get it. Cause um, yeah, I love the feel of those straight off the shelf when we did those live. Playing clips with them, they played so beautifully. Like the tones were great, the feel was there. It was just a, it felt like a guitar that had been played for a while, which um, I I really like, like in a good way. Um, Dave L says for a Strat bridge, it's helpful to have the wiring where you can turn the tone tone knob down a bit too. Yeah, totally. So that's the other thing. If you, I don't usually use tone controls too much, but sometimes in a pinch. The bridge pickup one will get used on a Strat um, and you want it wired so the bottom tone control only affects the bridge pickup. That's definitely... Yeah, 100%, mate. Dave, Al, you're onto it. Uh, I love the Telecaster bridge pickup, but I've never been a fan of the single coil Strat pickup in a bridge. Yeah, it, I, I'm the same... Most of the time, I much prefer a Telecaster bridge pickup. They have more beef and attitude. It's probably that steel bass plate thing. Um, but it, it really depends on what you're trying to do. Like, if you want to get that sort of Jimmy Vaughan classic sort of off-clean Strat bridge pickup tone, the Strat bridge pickup tone is the way to go, right? But, yeah, as a usable bridge pickup, the Tally can do so much, and it is a more robust sound. And... I prefer it as well, but when you dial the Strat in properly, which is harder to do in my opinion than other guitars, it sounds unreal. Have you ever toyed with the Strat? Oh man, sorry. Sorry about this, the burping from the monster here. Have you ever toyed with Strat pickups and adding a back plate? Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I've got one hybrid guitar that has a steel bass plate, Strat style bridge pickup. It sounds more like a tally and yes, it does make a difference. Um, I haven't tried a steel base plate straight-up Strat pickup, though, so not in an actual Fender strap. But the Kiesel guitar I've got are the Johnny Highland pickups, which are kind of like a hybrid between the Tally and the Strat thing, and that bridge pickup looks like a Strat pickup, but it has the base plate, and it sounds awesome. So there's something to that for sure. Aaron Short, welcome, mate. Hope you're doing well. Um, just uploading a review of the Wampler... Uh, moxie it's really good. I don't know that one man i've I've really sort of like <laughs> been out of the loop with all the new pedals and stuff but congrats man very cool. hey uh June sook thank you I appreciate the the second super chat here what, what's going on? <laughs> thank, thank you everybody. Uh, we'll definitely check out the Buffalo OD thank you for all your input and thanks for the great video been watching them since the early days. hey thank you I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm just sort of thankful that you know, the channel's still going to some extent. It sort of has died off a bit over the last few months, but I haven't been, you know, I guess, posting as as much as I used to in various ways. It's sort of like two or three things instead of like six different things. So we're getting back there. It, it's coming back, <laughs> but thank you. I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, hey, John, thank you, mate. Um, Set everything on my Fender amp at seven like Clapton. Well, that's that's interesting because um, you know which amp are we talking here? That can work to some extent, especially well probably works better for a Strat than it will for something like a Les Paul because you know if I if I put my bass on my amp at seven, it would be way too much for humbuckers. It would sound ter- terrible on the neck pickup. Now, he has a really I. I gotta say, I don't love Clapton's newer sound. I, I like his sound going back a bit, not not like his. Everyone goes back to the Cream days. I'm talking about his '90s blues tone. That kicks ass, man. Everything about his tone then was the best. Um, and then he went into like, I don't mind. He's just straight into the Tweed Twin kind of thing. I, I think that actually sounds pretty good too. But yeah, if he, if he can get away with making that work with a Strat or a Telecaster, do it. There's times where I think one o'clock on the dials is a pretty safe bet. So he might be onto something there, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it might be interesting to try that. Um, Hutch says he wishes he could play like Clapton. Man, Clapton was my biggest influence for so long. I, I can still play so much of his stuff note for note, you know, when I was like, or maybe not so much like note for note, like Dr. Rick does, but I can play it almost close enough the, the feels there and he, his vibrato and his little slide bends and his, his phrasing and all that kind of stuff was the best. And, and it still is great, but his vocals also good, right? That's something that don't people don't sort of uh, praise him enough for. When you reviewed the Marshall DSL 40CR, you said the master volumes, you, uh, you said set the master volumes to 10 and leave them. I tried that on DSLR, CR and I was about to buy. There's a lot of static, even with the preamp Volume at zero, normal. Um, Doesn't sound too normal. Usually if you're getting like a crackling or static noise, one of the preamp valves needs a bit of work or maybe the bias on the amps not set correctly. I love that amp, I've still got it. (laughs) And always I run the master volumes all the way up on that amp and I then set the channel volume to 12 o'clock and work my volume control. And at that volume you may hear some sort of static coming out of the amp. You got to remember this is cascading valve amp. It's a cascading valve amplifier with gain. So you're going to get like any noise will be amplified until when you hear it. But it shouldn't be that noisy when you say turn your volume control down and just let leave the guitar off basically. You might hear a little bit of noise unless it's really bad, then I wouldn't worry about it because when you're playing live you're not going to hear it. Or if it's not as loud as your voice, you know, or whatever the case, may be. or if you can't hear it over talking, I wouldn't worry about it. But if it's severely crackling, it means one of the preamp valves is definitely gone. Uh, easy to fix, right? And those amps are fantastic. I actually opened mine the other day because I blew it up. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And I realized it had three safety fuses, which saved the day. So in the end, the amp works great. I re-biased it myself. I was like, this this amp is built Great. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I don't, if you're on the ultra gain channel, like the really heavy gain stage, then you'll definitely hear some preamp noise coming through without question. The crunch channel shouldn't be too bad. The clean channel should be dead quiet. If you can hear gain or crackle or whatever coming through on the clean it means the preamp valve has definitely got problems. Um, sorry here. Let's just go back up. Ah, there we go. Aaron says, uh, I ordered the HSS Miami Blue as well. Man, that is such a cool, um, cool color guitar. I I think we're all talking about the American Pro 2s, right? The Miami color is my favorite. I I love it. And it's funny because that's the sort of color I wouldn't normally go for, but it looks great. Actually, it's funny because Dr. Rick was talking about how much he likes that as well. I was like, yeah, great. Uh, Simon says I have my strat neck and bridge wired to the middle tone knob. I have my strat neck and bridge. Oh, okay. Wide to the middle tone. No, you can never select both pickups at the same time. Um, yeah. So some people, hang on, let me read that again. I have the strat neck and bridge wired to the middle tone knob. Okay. Yeah, that's usually the first mod people people get done. I remember buying a guitar from a, a local shop here. It was a Strat, and uh, he had to play with it, the guy that was the, the tech guy. I said, oh, can you just look at it and make sure he goes, yeah, I don't love that wiring. I said, oh, why is that? He goes, oh, the bridge tone control should be only... That this back tone control should only be working on that. So he he did some wizardry in like five minutes and he, he goes, There you go. <laughs> I was like, Oh, thanks. I I didn't even know. It's just like, Do whatever you think's good. It's whatever you get used to. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. So, yeah. I think that's what started me with that whole bridge pickup tone control thing. Because in the early days, I ended up getting my 50th anniversary Stratocaster modded. Like that, and that's that's how it how it worked. Um, any views on the Gibson four hundred and ninety RT pickups spotted in the Les Paul studio? They're awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Chopper, for the the question. Um, I I'm a huge fan of Gibson pickups. Whether you're not you like the the tone of their of their, their build quality or, or quality control, I should say, their, their pickups are some of the best. I love their. The 490s are good. I've tr- I've tried all their most modern pickups, and I, I think they're great. The Burst Buckers definitely my favorite from Gibson. If you're going to replace uh, pickups in a like a any other dual humbucker guitar, put the Burst Buckers in there. Just don't even you don't even have to go find third party brands that are more expensive. The Burst Buckers are the, are the best. They got the top end. They don't have excessive low end. They're extremely well balanced. So you play a chord, you hear every note. They got them in the slash guitar i've got them in my flying v i've played them in les pauls played them in all kinds of stuff and they're unreal so yeah i have no problems with even the in, any of them basically the pickups that were in the their modern series guitars sounded great as well they're pretty cool but yeah burst buck is definitely would be my favorite um oh oh sorry there's a second part to this uh oh i can get a brand new epiphone uh, LP with Gibson Burstbuckers for the same price. Oh, man. Yeah, I did a video about that, whether you should buy an Epiphone or a, a, a Gibson. Um, if you're aspiring to get a Gibson, just buy it. It's probably a better better move long-term. And if you don't love it, you can easily, like, sort of sell it and get your most of your money back. It's, it's definitely a smarter move. But the Epiphone's are so good at the moment that... It's hard to really discount them as well. If there's a, he said for the same price, for the same price, if it was me, I'd probably buy the Gibson. But if I could get, yeah, it's hard because the I love their sort of 50s and 60s Les Pauls from Epiphone. They're some of the best they've ever made. So anyway, let us know in the comments, folks, what you think about, <laughs> what would you do? Because the finish is going to be better on the Epiphone, right? You're talking about the entry level Gibson; they're pretty bare bones, but they're so good. They're really good. Um. Hey, we've got Landon here. Welcome, man. I've got a uh, GRB Aquatics says Artist Guitars have a pre-order release of about ten new guitar models for later this year. Some interesting guitar models. Yeah, for sure. I, I will be getting some lefties from them at some point this year. Um, I don't think the range will be as big, obviously, as the righties, but they're pretty good artist guitars. They get a good selection of lefties available. And I know um, John from the chat here has all of them. <laughs> he's the He's the guitar king. He's probably got 20 guitars. All right, Mr. D says, Eric Clapton, I shot the sheriff live at the crossroads. The one where he has long hair is one of the best guitar tones I've ever heard. It's really clean. Yeah, it's a completely different sound for him. He went through this real fizzy mid-range thing, which I never loved. That's kind of what I was getting at before. Then he went back to that sort of like ultra clean tone with the noiseless pickups. It sounded pretty great. So yeah. Before that, though, the other Hyde Park, um, or oh, the I shot the sheriff at Hyde Park from the 90s. Tone is so good. <laughs> Yeah, that, you're right. That one, that one where he's um, from the Crossroads Festival is actually great. Thrust Metal Studio says, I use the DSL-100H head. I know. I've, I've seen that. It's a great sounding uh, head. He goes, and I get noise in it also. I know the heads are known for noise like crackle or pop or hiss. Oh, there you go. There's a lot of gain going through them, right? I mean, the, <laughs> the ultra gain. So the ultra gain channel, it's... I, I always refer to that at some, like one solo a night. <laughs> if someone does Black Magic Woman or something, some Carlos Santana song, I'll usually go over to that channel. Just I call it the, the Santana channel or the Carlos channel. Just click it on, hit a note, and it holds a note for like 10 minutes. It's hilarious. So um yeah, those are ultra gain channels. I don't get on a lot for my kind of music, but they're a whole lot of fun. And you get great tones out of yours, man. I'm glad you got one of those amps. That's super cool. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry about my voice, folks. <clears throat> uh, Dougal says, G'day, Shane. Late to the live stream. Looks like you're delivering a presidential speech.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, this is just a mat I put down here because it makes um makes the voice sound a bit better, I think. It's sort of like... Uh, less reflective or something yeah i'm in a different room today this is my other studio uh let me i've <laughs> uh, got jd analog welcome mate how you doing hope you're doing well fresh metal studio says i like the burst buckers and the 49 uh 490 500s yeah the, i reckon the burst buckers are hard to beat i really do i, I you know, anytime someone says, oh, I'm going to start looking at these pickups because I want the burstbucker sound, I'm like, get a set of burst Burstbuckers. Like, what are you doing? I'm like the biggest Gibson fan in the world. I used to love their stuff back in the day, but I got one of them. Uh, and that's, that's enough for me. I think they make solid instruments, but um, their pickups are the, is where it's at. There's much better built guitars than them now out there that are also very expensive, but their pickups... Uh, basically what everybody else is cloning. You can go, oh, it's a PAF-style pickup. Well, will just go buy the PAF. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's that's how I feel about that. Aunt Jennifer says, just got a 399 Dean made in India, 1980s Cadillac, and it's freaking awesome, way better, better than a Gibson. Awesome stuff. You know, Dean guitars, I've seen around, but I don't know much about them. They're, I think, more, generally speaking, more for sort of, like, people who play metal or heavier music and they've got that aesthetic as well, but they're super cool. I saw quite a number of them in um, some of the, oh man. Sorry, I saw quite a number of them while we're away. So yeah, they're cool. It's not a brand I see that often here. So it's great to to find them. So well done. JD Analogue says, I like the old school T-tops, lower output so you can push the amp a little harder. Uh, yeah, see, this is another thing a lot of people misunderstand about good pickup tone. Good pickups don't have to sound louder than other pickups. They can sound clearer and nicer. Look at a vintage humbucker versus a modern humbucker, and sorry, Thrust Metal Studios. <laughs> I know you. Um, this is a joke for metal players. A lot of metal players will go for high-output pickups a lot of the time. Not always. People in the know might not, but the lower-output humbuckers have way more clarity, they're voicey, you'll hear more of the stringy sort of sound. These are sort of terms that may or may not make any sense to anybody, but yeah. So you can't go too far wrong with pickups that don't have the increased output and that's a huge misconception. Louder is always better to the ear. If you, this is the problem with doing pickup comparisons. If you don't adjust the volume so they sound even, people will generally like the louder one better only because it sounds bigger and fuller, but it doesn't necessarily sound better because the they're not balanced. So yeah, there's another thing I've, I've noticed a lot of. So spot on. All right. Best track pickup set for classic rock. <laughs> SSS. Um, you mean, like, what would I pick? Man. Oh, hang on. We've got a spammer here, have we? Thank you, Amanda. Cheers. Easy fixed. Studio is looking sharp. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate that. Sorry, I'm just uh, scrolling back up here. Uh, all right, so what was the question? Favorite? These kind of questions about, like, which pickups are best for certain styles of music, it really comes down to the playing style. If you play that kind of style of music, you'll make anything work, right? I don't know if there's a best pickup for, for one style over the other a lot of the time. So just stick to the standards. Yeah, there's no real reason to go spending like a fortune on pickups. It, it, it doesn't really make a, ma- sometimes it makes a, a big difference, but other times it it, it doesn't, right? <laughs> it comes down to your playing style. Like a lot of people like, oh, how do I get the John Mayer tone or the Stevie Ray Vaughan tone back in the day or this? You learn how to play that style. And that that's 95% of the way that you'll get that sound. Hey, RJ, welcome man. Hope you're doing well. Aloha. He's a, a music producer from uh, Hawaii, one of my favorite places in the world, you lucky thing. <laughs> thanks for dropping in man i appreciate it uh favorite blues gig i got to see albert collins on the goldie years ago my favorite one would be buddy guy yeah i saw it right after really disappointing eric clapton show and it was like dial oh, too two there's there's buddy guy and there's chris kane both of those guys were fantastic and they love putting on a show they love playing guitar their band was awesome It was more personalized of a show than some of those arena shows. Um, Yeah, I I would say those two guys. Chris Kane, buddy guy. Easy. I would have loved to have seen Albert Collins. Albert Collins, one of the the most underrated blues guys ever. What a monster. Um, Sorry if I missed your question, folks. If I did, just um, ask it again in the blues me here. Sometimes the chat moves and... uh, John says, the new Artist Lefties is only a white Strat with upgraded specs and a 335 and Sunburst with upgraded bull pickups. They may do a lefty of the newer models at a low stage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got some lefties coming in. I got an email about it a while back, or I sent them one, and I, I said, oh, are you getting these in lefties? And um, I'm pretty sure they they said they were getting some in. I don't remember exactly what models they were, though. Uh, Janice, welcome. <laughs> I was just coming back to finish watching the replay. Yeah, I, my stream died like forty minutes in, so I, I don't know exactly what went. Well, it said it couldn't connect to the YouTube server, which is uh, strange, but that's just yeah, I, I don't get it. All right, good day from the Netherlands. Welcome, welcome. Let us know if you use the subtitles too. I, I do put uh, subtitles to the Netherlands in. Not that obviously you can write English fine, but, you know, I just, I'm interested. Thrash Metal Studios. uh, Yeah, well, that's the thing. Active pickups can sound great too. I think all pickups can sound great. It just, um, I think what I was getting at before was I think that sometimes lower output pickups, people assume they're not as good when they, they've got a whole lot of other quality about them that you don't get in those higher output pickups. Murray right, Guitar Pickups, welcome. He says, g'day from Adelaide, everybody. That's uh, we're just talking about guitar pickups there. We've probably got a professional in the mix here who can uh, maybe add some opinion to it. I swear I hear a bird or some animal. Yeah, there's crows in the background today. We I usually get a lot of Um, Kookaburra is here, those laughing birds. I'm surprised there hasn't been any. And there's also construction going on next door. And I'm using this as opposed to the shirt mic. So you're you're probably hearing a lot more going on outside than normal. And I'm on a different side of the house too. (laughs) Wallabies don't really make any noise. The other day I was in the park actually and we saw a a kangaroo that was... I'm short, but it was bigger than me. (laughs) It was bigger than me sitting on its sort of like on its tail and hind legs, sitting up. And then it took off and it just glided up this hill. It was really cool. Uh, Oman says, Buddy Rules. Yeah, he's super cool, man. I went to his club many years ago. I actually did a little story video about that. You can check it out. It's called Playing Blues in Chicago. Why was the Eric Clapton gig disappointing? It just wasn't good. The vibe was bad. The song choice, in my opinion, was pretty bad. The best part about it was the rhythm section and Derek Trucks. I was right at the front. I was right at the second row from the front in the mid- uh just off to the left, actually, on that show. So second, and it cost us a fortune. Everybody was yawning. They clearly looked bored. And you got Steve Jordan and Willie Weeks chopping it up on the rhythm section. They were great. I, I It just wasn't a show. It was like... All the songs I've always wanted to hear Eric Clapton play live, he basically played none of them. And that was maybe a greedy thing on my behalf, but if you were more into, you know, some of the stuff he was doing in the 70s, you probably get a kick out of it. But for me, it was like, oh, man, I want to hear a bit more a bit more other stuff. Um, yeah, it was just the, the, the overall show just wasn't very good. A lot of people complained. It was just like, ah. He it just didn't look like he wanted to be there. It was messy. Uh, some of the guitar playing was pretty shit. Um, yeah, it just it wasn't a good show. And then I went to see Buddy Guy, and I was still bummed about the show prior because it cost us four hundred dollars each. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Buddy was like eighty bucks, and I'm second front row, right on the right hand side of the stage there, and it was instantly better. Just everything about it was a better show. So also, where we saw Clapton, that venue kind of sucks. And I, I don't like stadium gigs inherently. I've been to a few others since. And I, I'm not a huge fan of those. I, I'm, I'm never doing that again. I'd much prefer just going to a, a smaller venue. But um you know who one of the best shows was I ever saw? Without question, Chris Isaac. Guy's a friggin' monster. Great band, showman killer vocalist great songs just like if you're it's like a musos musos band and everybody seems to love chris isaac too whether or not you're into his music or not man see his live stuff there's a studio live studio version of that wicked game song and it is unbelievable it's on youtube it's so good like just a really great band you know but different style of music but yeah buddy was like he's the real deal man just yeah just great vibe and right into it and you know handed me i had his um buddy guys legends t-shirt on um and uh which my brother got for me years ago before i actually went to that club and he's looked at it he's like <laughs> how'd you get one of these so he gave me one of his picks i was like oh far out this is awesome and then i think what was it? Maybe six or eight months later, or whatever. I went over to his club, and it was great. I got to meet his guitar player and a few few things. It was awesome. Thrash Metal Studio says I'm going to Government Mule tomorrow. That'll be awesome, man. Far out. Oh, kind of blur about it, but i uh, saw him last year for the first time, and it was one big jam session. Totally not my bag. Oh yeah, I get that. Some of the songs are like the thing about that sort of music. They say it's jammy, but there's so many parts. You gotta be right into the whole jam band thing. You're right, it's probably, um, it's probably like not everybody's thing. Maybe you might like the Warren Haynes thing more on his own than you know the government mule thing, I don't know. Some of that stuff just blows my mind. I don't know how these people remember, some of these musos remember all the bits. That guy's, the whole band, they're just like, it really blows me away. Uh, what year was the Clapton gig? I'm gonna say like maybe 2007 or eight, somewhere around there. Derek Trucks was awesome, like he was great. But I didn't go there to see him play. You know, it was sort of like what little Clapton played just left me going, ah, oh. like where was where was the Clapton show? Um, I get it. Like he might not have wanted to play that much, but you watch some of his other shows, and he's then you know. He is the show. <laughs> and that's kind of what I was hoping for. I was a little disappointed with it. I love Derek Trucks. I think he's like one of the best guitar players ever. But um, yeah, I, I waited a long time to, to see Clapton live. And it just, I was like, oh man, I want to hear him play more. Even if he's not on, I just want to hear him play more. I want to see him get to that spot that inspired me to want to learn how to play guitar. And I just didn't feel like there was any of that, that night anyway. Um, oh, Janice, she does uh the Wicked Game song, very cool. Yeah, it's not to belittle Clapton; he's still one of my favorite players of all time, and I love a lot of his stuff. I've seen him do since then, like the Robert. Um, I oh, actually it was slightly before that, like the Robert Johnson session, and there's just plenty of good albums that he's had. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Vox guitar rock. It was a. Uh, birthday thing so uh well sort of like a birthday thing that's why we went uh yeah he might be 86 now who's 86 now buddy guy um let's scroll down hey next year he says shane's been a while working a lot of extra shifts that's where i'm at now to finish my home studio very cool Any advice, Pro Tools or GarageBand, et cetera? All right, so Pro Tools is good if you have hardware that requires you to use Pro Tools. Otherwise, keep your options open. If you're on a Mac, just get Logic. If you're just getting started and you want to record, use GarageBand. It's free and it's what I use on my YouTube now because it's got all the drum tracks there. I can layer up some bass, chuck my guitar parts over it. And doing the drums is very easy. It's it's like the easiest thing in the world. Logic kind of takes that to the next level, but you can get great results out of GarageBand. I always thought it was for kids after using Nuendo and Cubase for you know 13 years or however long I used that. They, they were awesome programs and Sony Vegas before that. But um, yeah, I, I really feel like GarageBand will get you started. And if you want to take it to the next level, Logic might be the way to go. If you're um, on a, uh, I guess if your GarageBand's one of your options, you're probably on a Mac. I mean, Cubase is great too. Reaper is also very good and free, but doesn't have all the, the drag and drop drum functionality that other software has. So really depends on what you need. If you're just doing straight up recording, you might not need that functionality. But um, yeah. Um, my suggestion is if i'm going to i had a studio for a while in a upstairs in you know, a in a warehouse and my suggestion would be make sure your cabling is done right before you do anything else and what i mean by that is just get all the cables out of the way lay them out and down and make sure that they're in a situation where they're managed properly if you've got 12 cables coming out the back of a desk cable tie them or velcro them or something just do anything to keep them somewhat balanced, and if you can, label them. These are little things that make life a lot easier. <laughs> um, I'm a non-guitarist here. I'm a keyboard player. Do you like Jimmy Smith? Oh, man, I know the name. Jimmy Smith. I need more info. <laughs> uh Tedeschi Trucks Band. Yeah, I, I prefer the the Derek Trucks Band stuff, but I still like some of the, her vocal approach. I actually like um the lead singer. Oh, I've forgotten his name. But I like his vocal more than I, I kind of like hers. But she's great. I can listen to her for a good amount of time. But, yeah, not as much as the other dude. <laughs> I like that other dude's vocal. It's great. Um, but yeah, great music. I mean, some of my favorite albums are Derek Trucks Band, like the, um, the Already Free album has her singing on it. I love those songs. So yeah, killer, killer stuff. Musically, though, it's all good. And it depends on the mood. Um, uh, at 77, Clapton is probably almost done. Last of the live tour paychecks, maybe. Don't get me wrong. I, You know what? I don't think he needs any more paychecks. He must be doing it for for some other reason. I know he's got kids and all that kind of stuff. Maybe he's just setting everybody up for three generations or something. I'm not too sure, but um, would have loved to have been alive in his early days and heard him back then. Yeah, I mean, same. But I you can also appreciate it still now. Like, there's plenty of that back. The back catalog, back, back catalog is always going to be there. Um, but the, in my opinion, like the 90s stuff was great. Would I have loved to have seen that whole tour live back then at the age I'm at now or younger? A- absolutely. But, you know, you just got to enjoy the music and enjoy, you know, I think people people are always like the old stuff's always better. There's a couple of artists that just keep on getting better. And there's so many great Clapton albums from the even the '90s and on, the early 2000s, that are really good, that people just don't, they don't even try them. They're just like, oh, the old stuff's better. <laughs> and Mark Knopfler's like that. The Dire straight stuff is like iconic, and it'll be around forever. But his solo stuff is friggin' awesome. It's so good. Not all of it, because some of it is a little bit. You know, you might not like the Celtic influence, but then he's got some just great songs, man. And if you're into blues, roots, or, you know, any of the sort of the Dire Straits sound stuff, it's all there, you know. There's so much good stuff. Hey, we've got Greg's Kitchen here. Welcome, man. It says, just bought a bass. Do you know what a good, what size amp will be to get for home um, or sound room that has some balls? Yeah, I do. Look into the Fender Rumble bass amplifiers. They, they've got a whole lot of different ones, The bigger the better and they're light which also gives them the advantage and they sound good at like almost any volume as well but the rumble bass amplifiers from fender they're unreal and anytime we're doing like a studio recording we're using those because you can hear them in the room over drums if you ever need to get that loud and they also have a direct output on the back which means you can record them very easily without microphones um yeah i'm a big fan of those if i was to buy a bass amp i'd buy that one so And great channel, by the way, mate. I I checked out your stuff. You're killing it. I've got an Aussie uh, chef. (laughs) That's super cool. Um, Does Reaper have inbuilt drum tracks? No, I don't think it does. That whole thing's a different sort of system, I think. I think it's... I'm not exactly sure if it's MIDI or if it because it's 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 real drum samples. I'm not sure exactly how GarageBand have used such great sounding drums that you can customize just by dropping a slider around. It's really quite easy to do. If you're getting started recording your own stuff, do it in GarageBand because you can play on time with an actual drum track and then if you need to replace the drums. You can do that and you'll know you're on time, right? It's a lot easier than playing just to a click track. Tony says, Reaper is robust though. He has an easy easy learning curve. Um, There's a guy named Kenny Giola who has amazing tutorials for all kinds of music styles. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Reaper. Reaper is one of the... It's been around for a long time. Like back before I switched to Mac, which has been a, a good amount of time now, close to I don't know how many years it's been, maybe four years, five years. Um, It was still in its infancy back, I think Reaper just, no, Reaper had already been around for a few years, even back then. And I was like, this is pretty cool, but it's, it's not quite what I'm looking for. And then of all things, after dismissing GarageBand for so long, that's what I went for, for for YouTube work, right? If I'm doing paid work, which I don't do much of anymore, but if I if I do, that's where I'll choose something a little bit more, uh, you know, something different. But I'm in a weird position because I'd been using uh, nu- Nuendo for 15, 10 or 15 years. And I've still got that computer with Nuendo down on the floor. It's a PC that I haven't turned on in forever. So I'm kind of lucky right now. I don't need to do any full product, like audio production for, for anybody. The last one I did was about three years ago for a guy. And he actually made it onto the Australian Blues Roots chart, which was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I think if I'm going to switch now, I'm going to Logic only because the Mac makes it easy for me to not to have to buy any more stuff. Hey, we've got a new member here. Far out. Thank you, uh, Riff. And by the way, mate, I don't know if you missed my um, my thank you before, after, right when the chat started. Uh, actually, when the stream died, I should say since we got the the chat working again i thanked you for for the super chat before but thank you for joining up mate and thank you to buzz as well fender rumble and we'll never look back <laughs> he's got one as well so uh yeah the fender rumble is definitely the way to go there's a lot of like really there's less expensive horrible base amplifiers out there don't get don't look for much else unless it's from a reputable company like uh you know, Ashdown or something. Some of those amplifiers can be great for bass, but the the whole Fender thing is good because they sound good, they're light, and they're loud enough. Um, and I, I just like the look of them as well. I think they're, they're pretty good. And uh, thanks again, Riff. I appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Yeah, Apple's one of those things I avoided for a long time. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I used to be a, a Microsoft, uh, well, not expert, but I, I was qualified in in many areas, and I was so like anti Mac for a long time until I got into video editing, and I was it was killing me. It was just killing me working on a PC. It would crash nonstop, and back then, it was really hard to match hardware with software. So you'd be editing, and it would crash, and you would lose everything up until where you saved. Even if you were saving a lot of the time, it would crash while it was saving. Sometimes it was just it was a nightmare, and I had a dedicated machine that I paid and built for just doing that at the time, good graphics card, solid state drives, everything. And it was a nightmare. I went over to a Mac and my productivity just went through the roof. It was night and day different. And back then though, we didn't have the same options that you have now for video editing. So it might be more balanced now with like DaVinci Resolve and uh, all the other editing suites, but um, yeah, the Mac has just made life audio video wise, so much easier. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I try this sooner? (laughs) It's my own ignorance. But um, now I'm pretty much just switched over to Mac. I can pick up what I'm doing on this computer, stream to the web. This M1 MacBook Air is tiny. It's it's like, I don't know if I can can even show you it. Oh no, it's like, I don't want to cut the stream, but it's the least expensive one. I can live stream on this far better than I can on my big old computer that's technically far better. This thing is awesome. So I use this for my on the road video editing. (laughs) Uh, uh Ah, Roof says, uh, each time I wear the In The Blues t-shirt, people ask me where the guitar store is. (laughs) I send them to your channel instead. Hey, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. That's super cool. I got another one made for me. Uh, recently from the same place i I just ordered one from um teesprings and had it sent out i'm like that logo has stood the test of time and if you haven't worked it out it was not you personally riff but people in general it was heavily inspired by the buddy guy logo i just wanted something circular that had just a guitar on it with some neon lights i was like done i almost got the logo rejuvenated recently i had a a guy approach me said uh you know I can make your logo look better. Do you want Do you want to have a look at it? And I had a look at it. I was like, damn, that looks good. I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like it's, I don't know if it's a smart move changing it. <laughs> I kind of was like, it was essentially the same, but it was rendered slightly different in a way that kind of made it look a little bit more modern. But I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep it the way that it is. So, so, yeah. Landon says, I was the same anti-Apple. Now I don't use Windows at all. Yeah. Same, <laughs> unless I really have to. I don't use Windows at all. My M1 Mac Mini and MacBook Air, I get so much done so quickly. Yeah, to put this into context for people who who are interested in doing YouTube or may already do YouTube on a PC. I know with the, um, the AMD Ryzen CPUs and the latest NVIDIA CPUs, you can get a lot out of it, right? But it used to take me an hour. And I spoke to Andy Martin about this who has a number of YouTube channels. It used to take us an hour to output a file on a Windows machine with an Intel i7. This is the first gen i7s. When I swapped over to Mac, it took me 60 seconds to output the same file to my hard drive, which means all the edits are done, and then I'm rendering it. I used to have to walk off, grab lunch, come back, and if there was a mistake, I'd have to go, you know, I used to have to wait so much longer. Now it's it's so much better. Video editing's gotten to a point now where it's as easy as what audio editing was 10 years ago, um, which has always been pretty easy on the most part. Anyway, that's what I mean. Like it, it's, if you get the right machine for the job and that's what it comes down to, it's like buying the uh, the right guitar amp for the job. This is turning into a cool uh, kind of tech recording chat here. Uh, it's, yeah, it's hard to switch if you have a door that you're used to for years. This is from Tony. I, I totally agree, man. and. You know, switching from Nuendo was, or switching video editing suites was the same. I was like, all right, I've just got to, like, I'm really resourceful. Not to toot my own horn, but if I'm like, all right, where's this? Where is this option in blah, blah, blah? All right, there it is. All right, done. (laughs) You know, maybe I'll make a note of it. After about 14 days, you can, if you use it regularly... If you're only using it once a week, it might be different. But for me, I'm doing something on a computer every day almost, editing, whatever. After two weeks, I was like, I get it. I finally get it. My my work, I've caught up to my work, workflow capacity with understanding the software. And that's when you start to enjoy it. Those first two or three weeks, or maybe a month for some people, is brutal switching. But once you make the switch, it, it's definitely... Uh, you get the advantage out of it once you understand the software. You've got to be patient with yourself because it's really easy to go, screw it, I'm going to go back to what I was on. Uh, uh, anyway, Tony says, sorry, I, I used Cakewalk and Sonar before I switched to Pro Tools, but I couldn't justify the cost for the upgrades. Ah, uh, oh, hang on. So you're saying you had to pay for the upgrades for Cakewalk or you have to pay for the upgrades to Pro Tools. I would have thought Pro Tools would be giving you free upgrades. That's the other thing I like about the Mac, right? Anytime Final Cut gets updated, doesn't always work better than the prior version initially, but they fix it, is once you get the license for it, that's it, you've got it, no matter what version you're on. So that that's kind of cool. Um, man, that sucks if they charge you for every new release. That's That's brutal. Uh, you should make a video of your live setup, multi-camera. Sounds great. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Greg. I, I'm actually going to be doing that pretty soon. So hang in there. This is another video I want to do for a long time. So this room I usually use for my other YouTube channel, which is... Uh, did, have I seen you comment on my tech channel? I, I'm not too sure. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be putting together some videos that might help people getting started. that want a good setup uh, without kind of any price point anyway, that'll be something that I'll be doing. Um, This current setup is probably my favorite and it's not the most elaborate. It may look, I don't know how it looks on camera, whether you think it looks elaborate or not, but it really isn't. (laughs) One of the most elaborate things is this $40 uh, rubber mat I've got on the desk. Just makes it look a little bit cooler. Um, But thank you, Greg. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be doing some setup videos coming up. Uh, Jose, welcome, man. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for your support. He says, Shane, which semi body would you pick for the price? Artist 58 or the Harley Benton HB35? Yes. <laughs> I always look at it like this, man. I've said this before, so um, I'm going to say it again because it's true. Whatever is the easiest guitar for you to get is the right choice. If it's easier for you to get the Artist guitars, do that. If it's easier or less expensive to get the Harley Benton, do that. They're both great. Playing them both, they're essentially the same. Um, the HB 35 plus is slightly nicer than the 35. I don't know if artist guitars match that exactly, but if out of those two, they're both awesome. You can play either fine. So, um, I don't know if there's any disadvantages to one or the other, but I can recall they're both really, really good. I've actually got the, um, the Harley Benton HB 35 plus here and it's unreal, but, um, I've played, I think, two different Artists 58s, the Cherry and the Black one. I, it's weird because I played one in the early days and I said, man, this guitar needs some work. Like the the posts weren't great. And there were a few things. Sent it back a couple of, oh, about a year later, a couple of months, whatever, six months later, I get another one back. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. So they nailed it. So I, I don't really have any hesitations recommending either. Just go for the one that's easiest to order because not everyone wants to pay the shipping costs for the Harley Bentons. Artist guitars, at least in Australia, I think they have free shipping. Um, So that's a huge advantage. But if you're overseas or outside of Australia, they have a US site or they also have a UK one as well. So just check to see what the easiest option is. But they're both great for their price, man. Every bit as good as uh, the Epiphone Dot. And some might say they're even better because you get more... Tonal options, you might not use that all the time, but those split coil options, I actually think they sound pretty good. Ah, Ken, sorry. He's talking about the Pro Tools upgrade cost. Gotcha. Sorry, sometimes it's hard to keep track on the chat while I'm blabbering on over here. Uh. Uh, James says professional studios are most, mostly all Pro Tools. If you want to be a pro engineer, you need how to learn. You need to learn Pro Tools. Yeah, if you plan on working for someone else that has a studio, then that's definitely true. But the reason why all the, those studios are using Pro Tools is because it makes working with other places a lot easier because they're all using the same software. It doesn't mean that that's. It's like picking. A great analogy would be like, you can only use Sony cameras for professional audio production, uh, video production, but I use Panasonic cameras on the most part. I've got some Sonys as well, but I'm using Panasonic now. And it's like, it's the right tool for the job for what I do. So this is what I use. On my guitar channel, I use Panasonic cameras. On my other channel, I'll sometimes use my Sony. I'll sometimes use the Panasonics. It is what it is. There's no right or wrong tool unless you're at the mercy of someone else. If you're doing your own thing, you're free to pretty much use whatever you like. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's one right hardware or software tool for anything or guitar or amp for anything. It's like, well, what's the right thing to use here for yourself? Uh, and if, you're, if your hardware is plugged into Pro Tools, like I know there's those certain, I can't remember the brands now, it's been so long, but there's certain, what's the name of the brand? Um, there used to be some digital audio interfaces that only supported Pro Tools for a long time, or it came with Pro Tools or something like that, or it's locked to it or whatever the case may be. It's probably not the case anymore, but, um, you're right. The studios will mostly be on Pro Tools, but, um, yeah, that doesn't mean that it's the best. It means that it's just like a standard that everybody uses to make working together easier. Uh, hey, thanks fat, cheers. He says the uh, video image is nice and sharp, cheers. I like these cameras, these are, these are some of my favorite. Um, yeah, there's the right tool for the job. Like sometimes I have to use Sony cameras because I need certain like things to function better than they do on these cameras but you know, I've got these dialed in pretty well in the most part. Like everyone's like, you can't buy a Panasonic; the autofocus sucks. And then I go like, oh yeah, what what about that? <laughs> you know, sometimes it does struggle, but it uh, it is what it is. Uh, Tony G says, never had a problem on my i7 or i9 computers. You might have later generation ones as well. Again, I'm talking about going back a few, quite a number of years now. Um, nothing wrong with PC for workflow these days i was talking specifically about back when i made the change it was like the other anyway it's a whole other conversation i've gone about this for ages and i'll just mention this the biggest difference is that software for windows isn't optimized for certain hardware which means the performance can be mixed so unless you've got a list of, of approved hardware to match whatever like adobe suite you're using or whatever You can get drastically different results on that than changing the graphics card to something else or having the the wrong graphics card. And that's where I was for so many years trying to get video editing to run smoothly on my old Windows computer. I'm a nerd. I used to build all my own computers. I used to read the specs. I used to try to get everything to work as optimally as I could. And I I couldn't. The functionality was like infinitely different for me back in the day. Uh, Do I have a favorite Clon clone? I do. It's from Shelly and I'll, I'll type that out let me uh it's a kind of weird spelling it's called the pony boy check it out 100 bucks or so 110 us made in the us it's a monster so um yeah check it out it's built like a tank or better than a tank <laughs> and uh the, the tones of it are unreal so that'd be the one i'd pick i'd pick that any day over the electro harmonics one Built uh, build quality-wise, it's not even close. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, John. Thanks, man. John says, uh, Shane, did you have a guitar that you said would give us a quick look at? Yes, let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, I totally forgot. <laughs> um, hey, Guitar Man 45, welcome, mate. Thanks for the support on the channel here, a yeah, member for a long time. Thank you. There are no left-handed bases in Australia at all. Even Sky, oh, they had two. I, I don't know. I think their website isn't always good. They had a, a P and a J base in there, so um, that that kind of surprises me. I there's a few times where I like review something, uh link the Sky Music. I'm like, oh, it's not on the website. <laughs> so it could just be that. Maybe give them a call. Tell them uh, I I referred you. Uh, June says, hey, Shane, last 10 years, what has been the most innovative and game-changing guitar-related product for you? Ooh, that's a good question. All right. Um, You know what? I would say this. The two notes, Captor X or Torpedo Live or any other number of IR-based or not just IR-based, but also uh, load-based bearing boxes whatever they're called the the the, what's the term i'm looking for load box load box with ir because what this allowed me to do was to go from not only just blasting my amps loud to getting a isolated recording cabinet i owned one of those randall cabs and it's sort of like this big box with a speaker and microphone built into it And that thing, while I kept the noise down, didn't sound great, and it was huge. It used to take up like a big corner of a room. And then once the Two Two Notes Torpedo Live came out, it completely changed the game for my recording workflow. It's just not even close. So 100%, the Two Notes Capdoor X or Torpedo Live completely changed the workflow for the better, and it made things a lot easier for musicians. And since then, there's other options like the Ox and all that. They're all good. But the Two Nights Torpedo Live are the first guys doing it. I remember this engineer who's makes great pedals. He's like, oh, this is nothing special. It's just this mixed with this. I'm like, yeah, but before they released it, no one was smart enough to release it. And it solves a massive problem. It's convenient. It looks cool. I don't have to go deaf, you know, recording electric guitar. This is the most useful tool I've seen in years. And he's like, Oh yeah, but it's just, it shouldn't be that expensive. I'm like, it's software mixed with good hardware and it works. So I have no, uh, uh let's get rid of this douchebag. <laughs> um, there you go. There we go. Um, yeah, it was like the most innovative and functional tool I've ever used when it comes to recording guitar. And I've been using something similar, oh, the, the Captor X now for quite some time before that, Two Notes Torpedo live on the channel for a long time because it was so easy. And yeah, that's all it comes down to. That easily is the one that I would pick. I've done reviews on it. Uh, I've also done written reviews and talked about how it compares up against the Ox and all the other ones that are out there on the market as well. But that, that's what I would say would be the best. All right, let's do this quick. Um, let's do this quick. Like, look at this guitar because I promised something earlier and I totally forgot about it. Ugh. This is a Harley Benton, so uh, you'll either love this or you won't. But I haven't seen one of these before or this type of guitar in person, which is why I wanted to maybe open it up on camera here. Any guesses as to what it is? in terms of its uh, styling or type. Yeah, anyone posting rubbish, man. I don't have time for it anymore. It's like, you know what? See ya. I'm more than happy to answer questions and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. (laughs) Here we go. Here it is. Now this is kind of similar to One that I showcased a little while ago. I actually got this at exactly the same time. (laughs) And it's been sitting here for for a long time. So let's take a look at this. Yeah, I hope it's a lefty too, mate. You got me worried now. Wait, what did you see? (laughs) All right. Thought this might be fun. Let's do this. So it's a MR style guitar, like most right kind of inspired one. But do you notice anything different about it? Other than the fact it's a lefty. It's pretty chunky. It's pretty chunky. It's a baritone guitar. I've never played a baritone guitar in my life. And I thought when I get back from my trip and then obviously I had to get over being sick, I thought I'm going to spend some time learning how to actually play a baritone guitar, try and come up with something a little bit different and, you know, that might suit this style. So for those who don't know the baritone guitars, you there's there's one of two different types of tunings that typically get used and it's all down much lower than standard e-tuning which gives you a completely different voicing and i have a feeling this is going to be fun this wouldn't be a guitar i would probably take to a jam night and play because i'd have to transpose the chords and you play the same stuff on it but it's like because the tuning's different (laughs) like where you'd play an a is not where an a chord is you play an open e it's kind of like an a sometimes so there's um there's a lot of different stuff going on with this that I'm yet to ever try, and I thought it might be fun to sort of showcase. Let me just fix this camera up and see it's doing funny things. Um, there we go. So um, yeah, that's it. It's a it's a baritone guitar. It's out of tune. Oh, it is, but. Very cool. Let us know if you've ever played one of these and what you think about, obviously not just this uh, this one right here, but just in general. Baritones are completely, <laughs> it's called the MR Classic Vintage Series Baritone. And uh, yeah, so that's it. It looks almost identical to the, to the standard version. I don't know if you can really see a difference on camera here, but, um, oh, here we go. Buzz says, you really need to listen to Mark uh, Letary Deep for a great example of baritone. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's out of tune. Send it back. Yeah, I, they're very rarely in tune straight out of the box. I keep getting faulty guitars in the mail. No, no. Anyway, I think this looks pretty cool. It's it's heavy. i got to say, it feels like it's got a bit of chunk, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying some different stuff. And this was something I wanted to put some time into before I reviewed it because it's. I could just smash through some chords and stuff, but I'm like, I wanna know exactly what this can actually kinda like where this shines best. I think it's gonna be more of like a melodic thing. So it'll get me out of my, um, you know, the standard sort of bluesy sort of stuff. I'm gonna have to come up with something real nice for this. I've got a few ideas, pick a couple of nice chords, play some nice through the chord kind of stuff. So yeah. How bad is the string? The string action looks great. String action looks good. These are always set up pretty well. I've only had one that was really bad out of the box. Like it had cracks on the neck and the tuners were like really lopsided. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. That video review's up too. A lot of people think that we always get like the the, the better set up ones doing YouTube videos. It's not the case. <laughs> or they wouldn't have sent that other one out that was a mess. So, um, yeah. So I, I would say if, say, 10 guitars have come in on to the channel, I would say nine of them have been good. So, yeah. There we go. Baritone. Baritone. And I don't know why I said it like that. You know what? I don't know if this interests anybody or not, but does anyone want to have a look at this? This is, I actually bought this two days ago and my car broke down in the car park. I had to get that sorted out. That was awesome. All right. That might be about it. They're great for looping. Okay. Very cool. Dave L says, Baritone is cool to have. I have the PRS SE277. That's great. Or at least more than good enough for when, for when I have that need. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Omen says it looks heavy. Yeah, it's kind of heavy. <laughs> it's a big chunk of wood on the body. The offset design obviously isn't for everybody, that kind of weird sort of lopsided look. But um, those pickups sound killer. The MR Classic that I reviewed a little while ago, those pickups are so usable. I think this Sunday I'm going to start playing live a bit more again. So you'll see... Oh, maybe not that one, but you'll see other guitars getting used again outside of the house. Cause I, I really miss doing that. It was something. It's a good point of difference from just putting a video out. Oh, how good's this guitar when you're at home? But how good is it actually when you get it out and you're playing with other people? Does it, does it survive? And that's where I found flaws with stuff. I really think that that's like an important part of doing what we do, especially when it comes to. Um, like effects and guitars and amps and all that. Like, is it good enough to gig with? Because that's the ultimate test. It can be great at home or it can be good at home, but like if you buy an amp, you want to know, oh, possibly there's potential to go out and play it. How does it work? It's something that I kind of let go of, you know, doing all of that because we, we couldn't really go anywhere for a while. Um, You played a Hallmark Custom 60... How does that compare to the Harley Benton Moserite? You know, I played that like, I'm gonna say like six years ago. I I don't remember. (laughs) It's probably, yeah. Look, I'd have to go back and watch that video. It's been so long. They were pretty good guitars from what I remember. The only one of those I ever saw was at Jerry's Lefty Guitars. So you're probably referring to that video, right? I'm pretty sure. Baritones are great. I have the Squire Cabronita baritone, and it's tons of fun. Also surprisingly easy to make the transition. Well, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, I didn't know they had a a Cabronita version. That'd be really nice. They're great guitars. Um, Got four Harley Bentons (laughs) thing from Twin Peaks. Man, I don't know that off the top of my head. I'd have to hear it again to get it back in the brain. Early Dwayne Eddy record, recordings used the baritone. Very cool. Um, Charlie Chaplin was in the silent movies. He was. He played a lefty violin. Okay, I didn't know they made those. I thought all orchestra instruments were only right-handed, right? Because of the when you're in a situation like in an orchestra, everyone has to be facing the same way. All right, we've got Chris Rocco here from New York City. Welcome, welcome. Um, scale length is longer. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Um, I know nothing about baritones. What's their purpose? That's pretty much what the video will be about because I, I feel like it's something that's gone pretty much under the radar for me as a guitar player since I first started playing. It's not something that I ever looked up it's not something that I ever thought I ever needed. Do I need one now? I don't even know. Cause it's like, will it sound good? <laughs> will it be usable? Is it confusing? These are questions that I'm gonna answer with that video, but I, I really like the look of it. If it sounds musical and I don't have to, the thing is for me, right? I don't want to have to com- like, I know I've only started dabbling with slide over the last 12 months or so, but, a lot of people go, oh, you should try this tuning. You should try that tuning. I'm like, no, because then I have to learn a whole complete different series of note positions. I'm not, I can't recall like recall two sets of <laughs> information when it comes to that. So what I'd rather do is just play in standard tuning. If I can play most of what I play on that guitar without having to adjust anything, even though uh, in theory, the chords will be different in the same position, then I'm good to go. That that's where I think that will shine. Anyway, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, it should be good to use on backing track Shane. It doesn't not necessarily have to be a lead instrument. That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. Like I said before, I think it'll, it'll be a good melodic kind of thing. You're right. Maybe just adding some niceness to some chord parts. Totally, I'm I'm on board with that, and that's great. I, I'm really enjoying picking some chords and and sort of noodling around. I uh, would like a tally. Squire Classic 5 is looking good. Do it. Can't complain with those, mate. They've stood the test of time. I've owned one. Um, the only, only two small negatives to a Classic 5, or at least they were when I bought mine, the heavy and the next really thin. Um, if you're right-handed, you have more of a choice, but uh, as a lefty, I had one. <laughs> that was it. The um, Dan Electro uh, Barra. Uh, okay. Yeah, Dan Electro make a whole lot of different guitars. I've tried a lot of theirs over the years. Um, Tonal Timber says, Hey, Shane, thank you for all the videos throughout the years. You're truly one of the goats on the guitar side of YouTube. Hey, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the PCB versus hand-wide? I'm curious uh, on the good amps with PCB. Uh, PCB amps are fine. I really think it just comes down to the quality of the amp and their sort of like inherent reliability through uh, over time, I guess is the way I'm trying to say that. So some a- amps are notoriously bad because they don't have the same sort of quality control as other amp manufacturers. What I've noticed over the years is this. Some hand wired amps sound far better than they than their their handwired equivalents. Sorry. Some hand wired amps sound far better than their PCB equivalents. And some PCB amps sound far better than hand wired clones of the original it doesn't make any sense, it really doesn't. Some people argue that hand-wired amps sound inherently louder than their PCB counterpart. And sometimes that's true and other times it isn't. I've played hand-built Fender clones that don't sound anywhere near as good as the PCB version. Uh, so it really comes down to the who's making the amp. It really does. It, and I wouldn't say one is completely better than the other. The benefit of a hand-wired amplifier is this, if something fails, it's easier to repair. And again, that's not always the case with everything that fails on an amp. I'm not a tech, but I watched a lot of videos on it and I've repaired little parts here and there on stuff. And it can be done on a PCB, but it's a lot harder than if it was a, a hand-wired amplifier. So that's kind of how I see it. One isn't vastly better than the other. And everyone's got an opinion on it. Like, oh, I bought this hand-wired amp and it sounds better than, than this or that. And that's probably true for that particular situation, but the the reverse is also true. None of my amps that I've purchased, at least not recently, are hand-wired. I have owned a few over the years. They're okay, and they were loud, but I didn't keep them. doesn't mean that it's instantly better. So I wouldn't get too caught up in the whole hand-wired thing unless you love the sound of it and it's proven to be good or it's unique or different Then just pick the pick the right amp for the job but yeah I I almost got I bought a two rock a long time ago and it was three thousand dollars which is the most I ever spent on an amp I was like oh, what have I done I loved it for a while and then I realized oh okay so my fender supersonic 60 why do I prefer that over the two rock and then I went oh, so the hand wide thing it, it just comes down to the sound and the tone and that particular amp but um secondly I, I would add I think PCB amps are more consistent, especially when you're talking about like older hand wired amps. I think the tolerances now probably aren't as wild as they were back in the day. So, it means there might have been a, say, a twenty percent variance in parts back on old school amps versus now, where everything's pretty consistent. So, yeah, that'd be my my opinion. On it. I'm not an expert on on electronics, so I don't, yeah, I don't claim to be at all. But that, that's my experience with it. Uh, Played a gig on the weekend, Fender Pro Junior into a 11,000 watt JBL system. (laughs) That sounds fun, man. That's my kind of gig. Very cool. Uh, Fender makes substandard amps, Friedman and Freyett amps won't fail. Man, I tell you what, you're right. Like I, I don't think all Fender amps are built well. I've had problems with my Supersonic 22 failing within a couple of weeks of owning it. Um, and I've had Fender Blues Juniors that had faulty reverb tanks. And then you've got Fender amps that I've never had to touch like the Fender Blues Deluxe. Same tubes. It's done 100, 200, 300 gigs. I don't know how many gigs it's done. It's played live a lot at loud volumes. I've used it for 10 years on my YouTube channel. It's never once failed me. So just because something ha- is hand-wired doesn't mean it won't fail. That It's not true. Um, I know a good friend of mine had a boutique amp and his, um, what, what do you call it? The power transformer went on it and they replaced it with the same power transformer. So it's going to fail again, right? So you, you just don't know. I'm not saying Friedman amps are bad. They make great stuff, but yeah. You, you do get what you pay for to some extent, but because it's electronics and there's variables and there's lots of little parts, stuff can go wrong. Absolutely can. Great example of that. I bought a camera a while back and it was an expensive camera for, for you know, what it was. As soon as I got it back, the next day it started having problems and I returned it. You just never know. And this is one camera that people recommend as being the best. So, yeah, diff- different tech, but yeah, you, you, you just can never tell. Um, had a Blues Deluxe since 94, only one small problem a few years ago. Oh, cool. Well, let, let us know what uh, what it is, what you had a problem with. Mine's, mine's been going strong, man. I, I I love that thing. It's such a great amp. Had a PV mus- musician, 220 watts. Cool, cool. I don't know that one. Yeah, you're right about the Fender amps. I think their quality control has d- done this over the last 10 years. Uh, I am just don't trust a lot of their amps anymore they're not all bad right you if your amp works fine it's going to be fine but the amount of times I've tested something at a shop or it's had issues in the store it rattled weird or it made funny sounds and I grabbed another one it made exactly the same sound I grabbed another one and made exactly the same sound I'm like all right I'm done with this or Rick and I blew a couple of amps up testing them out at louder volumes it's like yeah I don't trust their build quality anymore but there's still good amps in the range it's just like I always say if you can find one that's already worked for a long time then you're in in business so or if you've already got one that you've had for a while that doesn't have any problems it should be fine the biggest problem uh, thank you tony i'll get get to this in a a moment um the biggest issue i saw with the fender amps was with their blues juniors the whole range of their blues juniors three had faulty reverb tanks you would turn it up to 12 o'clock and turn the amp up loud and it was it would just be scratchy and you'd hear these weird overtones on your note turn the reverb off and it was fine and none of their other their fender reverb is like iconic right it's such a huge flaw so um yeah hey tony thank you so much man thanks for the great live show tonight he says i appreciate that far out thank you if you got any questions man let us know or any other questions i'll i'll get to you in the in the chat here we might wrap this up pretty soon. I, re- I don't know how long we've been streaming for. An hour and 54 minutes. <laughs> this is take two, right? That can't be right. Is that right? And the time's flying today, man. I'm enjoying this. Uh, or today. What time is it here? 2.25 p.m. I'm going to have some lunch pretty soon. Um, thank you again, uh, Tony. I appreciate that, mate. Let's uh, just clear out uh, a couple of these spam bots. It's always good to... Uh, you know what? Let's um. Hutch has been around forever. Let's give him the moderator power of the gods. You can now have the wrench. <laughs> um. I mean, who's these chat bots, man? These spam bots. Who's stupid enough to ever click on any of this stuff? Like, you'd have to be. You'd have to just be like ridiculous, right? To like to click on any of this crap. All right, there we go. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's been pretty good though the last couple of months on YouTube for me. I haven't had too much of this sort of spam stuff. Um, All right, done. There we go. All right, uh, the blues tuning can sound great, but the plastic pots held in place with solder is disappointing. Oh, there you go. Yep. Sorry, I'm looking over this way all the time. Uh, Scott, says oh sorry greg says had my roland cube for 15 years man those things are bulletproof they're like the pv bandits <laughs> well done simon says uh came across the 2010 uh what is it a quiet cvs oh squire cv squire classic vibe. slim thin line telecaster i think that's what that's supposed to say sorry with a walnut body, is that common, the walnut? I, I don't think so, especially back then. That's um, not one that I've seen before. I would look into that and see whether or not it's actually a Squire. Just double-check, make sure that they act, they did make that because you'll find some weird guitars where someone might take the body and put on a Squire neck and sell it in a shop. I've seen that a lot of times with fake kind of like... or. or real or fake necks on other bodies and it's like well what do you do with that if it's yeah i am not too sure uh and tony g thank thank you again mate i appreciate it. and everyone else who's uh been in the chat here tonight all right let's scroll down hey thank you buzz he says great to see you live again it's been ages it's been so long and i thought i'd mix it up by sitting in this room for a change i actually had to i gotta tidy up my in the blues room it's uh It's a, it's not in good shape at the moment. I got to get in there, set up my new sound card, run some cables, get it all working and just clear the, clear the floor. So, uh, yeah, I thought we'd do it in here today, but thank you. Thanks for joining back in. I appreciate it. You've been a huge supporter of the channel. The wrench. (laughs) Yeah. We might have to mod a few more folks here. We'll see how we go. Buzz is a good dude. I trust Buzz. Let's, uh, ad moderator all right buzz has the power now as well so all this means is that uh buzz will ha- be able to help clear out any spam stuff if he sees it otherwise um everything else is allowed as long as it's not offensive to someone else <laughs> thoughts on the pro reverb sounded great in the shop yesterday great amp you know one of my good friends brian just bought one so he loves it he used it i think two or three times gigging already and he's like this is the real deal i said it's exactly like a deluxe reverb, but better, right? Oh, better. It's in like louder and fuller sounding, more clean headroom, all that kind of stuff. Maybe better is not the right term, but just bigger is a better term to use and they're fantastic. So Tony G says, what's the name of that clone you like again? I'll type it in. It's called the Shelly Pony Boy. So, uh, there we go. Um, I have a 40-year-old Fender Sidekick 15R, and it's still going strong. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't know they were that old, those amps. That's that's amazing. Thoughts on Quilter amps? Eyeing the Aviator Mark III head uh, would be selling an AC10 to fund the purchase. Yeah, I mean, solid-state amp, light, pretty loud, good in the mix, Um i got to say, I don't really love those like tiny heads that they've got just from a, from a usability standpoint. But I played one of their combos once and it was pretty solid. I don't know if I liked it more than a PV Bandit. I probably didn't like it more than a PV Bandit, but I've only played one at a jam night once. So it's really hard for me to sort of comment on it. I like the look and idea of those amps. I just don't know if they're a better deal than buying like an like a used Bandit, like a Red Stripe or even a, new, a more modern one. I, I I don't know. Um, yeah, some people swear by those amps though, so just listen to as much as you can and see if it's the right sound that you like. <laughs> Buzz, he loves the spam. Oh, that's all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the help. Yeah, you're doing me a favour by uh by helping out with the the wrench. So don't don't think uh. Don't think it's yeah you're helping me so it's my pleasure thank you thank you i appreciate it um ronnie says do you still play the marshall dsl 40 if so which speaker did you keep in it so i, I had the stock speaker in there for probably I don't know, i'm gonna say six months maybe i then went over to a tonka an eminence tonka which i love the sound of in a room but when i got it out live i was like it's not quite the right sound. There was a couple of things about the Tonka I didn't love. It had a great upper mid-range thing, which really made it cut the mix, but it didn't have the chunky low end. And it was still a bit too bright. The DSL-40 is quite a bright amplifier, so you've got to really wind down the presence and the treble control, so much so that the treble can almost be off. And with the stock speaker, unless you're really, really loud, it can be too bright. I put a Texas Heat in there, never looked back. It's been in there 100% of the time. It takes out the high end so I can EQ it like a normal amp, put the treble somewhere around one o'clock without it ever still sounding like ice pick bright. And then I can run the bass down further instead of up further. And it just, it sounds unreal. It's loud. It does make the amp a little bit heavier than the stock speaker, but the Texas Heat would be without question the best match for that amp for my kind of sound. I love that more rolled out high-end sound or not ice pick bright kind of Marshall tone. Some people love that. If you like the the really bright Marshall tone, then you probably won't love the, the Texas Heat. I've, I've also tried it just by daisy chaining it across to the Swamp Thing speaker, which is also a really good choice. That gives you a thick bottom end, but not as big as the Texas Heat and a little bit more top end, but nowhere near as bright as that stock Celestian speaker, which are very solid speakers, but Yeah. Texas Heat has been in there all the time. You know what? I get a lot of questions about these amps, uh, about, you know, well, like what, what have I got in what amp? I've actually, these are ideas. I'm going to reapproach a lot of the stuff I've kept long term and how I feel about it today and, and give a rundown of what it is that's going on with it. Because um, although I just answered it, I see that similar questions come up and I, I, I'm like, I really need to start doing these like long term review videos. the wrench should be a good name for a blues rock instrument track yeah uh i miss my eric clapton twin alark sold it for a lightweight custom shop gibson les paul uh worth it but now i'm ampless. oh man all right so the 57 twin i hope you've got a like a little trolley for it man because um those things are i think they're backbreakers. that doesn't always matter not everybody cares about amp weight but um 57 Twins are pretty much the same amp, right? Then the oh, the Twinolux has the ability to... It had a power attenuation thing, and you can also defeat one of the speakers, right? Like you could... Two, you get the, the Twinolux had two speakers. You could drop the volume and then drop it again, and it would you only use one speaker. I'm pretty sure that's how that worked. They were really cool amps. Um, You may have dodged a bullet with that, man, because I... Part of me is thinking that I read posts about people having problems with the transformers on those. I could be wrong, but just double I'm uh, not not on the um sorry, not on the 57 twins, but on the the twinelux amps. Sorry if I wasn't clear. Best modeling amp to play live. Man. It's a, it's a hard question to answer because there's My favorite one that I gigged with was the Mustang version three. It was loud. It had all the sounds in there and it was easy enough to tweak if I needed to change something on the fly and the foot switch made it easy. If I'm using something like the boss Katana, which I don't own anymore, but like, for example, I have used that live. I found it was more usable just using it as a clean channel amp with some delay and then using an overdrive pedal into it. Um, Yeah. I feel like digital modeling amps aren't necessarily the best for live players. You want something simple that's easy enough to tweak. And I'd prefer to play these days, a solid state amp any day of the week over a digital modeling amp live. I don't care what model or make it is. They're just easier to get the sound. I put my pedal board down, I'm done. But if you don't have a pedal board, you know, the, the old school Fender Mustang three version twos are pretty hard to beat in the mix. They've got a really great sound. Um, yeah it would be somewhere between that and the katana which is more like a solid state amplifier on that clean channel. so that's kind of how i look at it um but i'd rather play pv bandit than both these days so that's how i look at it as great as they are the other amps from what i like it's a no-brainer um tonal timber says correct shane well i had no idea yeah, thankfully I'm 20, so they aren't as heavy or back-breaking for my back just yet. Oh, well, that's good. You're lucky, man, because um, it only takes one bad lift out of a car with a heavy amp for a disc to go bad, and then it can cause you problems for years. That's kind of like why I started working out years ago, because I was like, I gotta, I have to do everything to protect my spine and make sure that I can move this heavy crap around without suffering. So. It, you're in a good place. That's good. <laughs> Just make sure you lift properly, man, because it'll get you when you least expect it. I remember the first time I was going to a gig. I was going to a jam night actually with some friends. I had my Fender Deville. I picked it up without really lifting it properly. And my old place had like a lot of steps and stuff. I picked it up and I felt like there's this muscle that runs down your spine, and it hurts. If you tear it it's one of the worst pains you can have in your back right it's it's like brutal it hurts when you breathe because it moves all the time i picked this amp up and i could feel something like getting hot in my back i tore that muscle it wasn't off or anything but it was like it was bad i was laying on the ground i couldn't move it was it was brutal and that was trying to carry the fender Deville downstairs downstairs because i picked it up wrong something else went wrong and it sucked so yeah, if you can I don't care what age people are, grab grab one of those two-wheeled trolley things and wheel it into gigs if you if you have that luxury because it's yeah, a lot lot easier on the on the back. If you are like me where you don't want to carry or do two runs up and down, you just like to carry everything at once. <laughs> that's where you get in trouble. Um Good enough for me between Shane and and Brian Sanders. I'm definitely going to try the Texas Heat amp. is way too bright. Thanks, guys. Hey, no worries, man. All good. Yeah, that that was my problem with it as well. It the brightness works to its favor when you're really loud. Like if you get the gain on the classic channel up to about one o'clock and the master on the on the drive channel, the volume and the gain both at one o'clock and the masters at ten, it can work great at, in terms of that stock speaker, but Yeah, I was the same. I was like, that's a bit too bright. And then once I swapped the speaker off, I was like, that's the sound I wanted. It's kind of like my, almost like my Fender rig, but without any pedals. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Check out guitarspeakerguide.com as well. There's lots of great articles about which speaker works best with what amp and all that kind of stuff. I've tested so many speakers using different cabinets at my friend Brian's place. He had probably 20 different speakers. I had a lot of different speaker experience over the years. So yeah, I've learned like kind of like what kind of voicing with speakers works great with different amps just through trial and error a lot of the time. Um, and also from testing amps as well that have like custom, you know, FSR runs and all that kind of thing. Uh. Those jazz chorus amps were the worst. They're so heavy. They, they're still bad. They, they still make those. And the one, the JC120 is like one of the worst amps to move. It's worse than a Fender Twin. Solid state amplifier that weighs like 50 kilograms. I don't know how heavy that is exactly. Someone can Google it, but it's brutal. It's so bad. Um, Yeah, I, I don't ever really want a 2x12 anymore. I, um, It's fun. And you can get a lot of great sound out of it. I'd rather a 4x12. It's not as heavy. And it's generally speaking, 4x12s are more vertical than sideways. I think there's something to that as well when it comes to its, its sort of like balance or something, or it's just its overall feel when you're lifting it. I know it sounds weird, but I found like my Super Reverb was far easier to move than a Fender Twin. I don't know how much different they are in terms of size, or even a Vox AC30, which are more long than high. The taller cabs seem to be a lot easier to sort of get around. Man, this uh, this live stream has been fun. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. It's been so long since I jumped on and did one of these things. And it's not through not wanting to do them either. I just just needed to get my uh, my voice back. (laughs) I needed to get all the stuff ahead of my trip done and then... Now I'm still getting through all of that uh, editing process and then you'll start to see some cool stuff come up. I'm going to just sort of get rid of the rest of my editing work with the... Yeah, actually, there's a couple of uh, like little videos I'm going to throw in from the studio here that are recent, but um, most of the stuff I want to finish is everything I did overseas, which I know not everybody's interested in when it comes to the Jerry's Lefty guitar thing and all that kind of stuff. It's just something I really wanted to do, which is why they're why those videos are sort of existing. It's just a great fun thing for me to be, you know, to try different guitars and all that kind of stuff. But I'll go back to more of the regular stuff once, uh, I get through that rather than sort of intermix it. I've got a good plan moving forward. I've been, um, I almost felt a little weird about YouTube for a while. Like, oh man, I'm getting bored. I'm like, well, this is my channel, right? Like if I'm getting bored and I, clearly people watching the channel might be getting bored. Maybe it's time to go back to doing some different stuff or try some different things. It's like a really easy fix. I'm like, I'm in a position that, thankfully where I can pick and choose what I choose to review. I don't chase companies. It just it's not something that I, 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 really, I don't need to be doing that. I don't do sponsored videos in terms of, um, plugging companies in the middle of my video or anything. I, I want to try and stay right away from that. And, um, I was like, what else can I do to to keep this moving forward? And I was like, I, I got some good ideas. So uh try it. What's the worst thing that can happen? It's funny. I was going almost going to post this the other day too, speaking about YouTube. It's so bizarre. So every video I release or any, any video a larger channel releases, right, won't appeal to more people. No, it appeals to more people than it doesn't appeal to generally on people who watch it. But when I... When I um, release any video, I lose three subscribers within the first minute, every time. <laughs> and you can watch the graph. It, it's like, it. no matter what it is, it, it could be a video that ends up getting 100,000 views and it will bring in 300 subscribers, or it could be a or, thousand, or, or it could be a video that gets minus three instantly and then it goes up and I might earn 30 subscribers out of the video it's so funny to to see how this youtube thing works i'm like yeah, i and lately i've been like looking at the videos the last couple of months just to see like what happens as soon as the video go, goes live and i even had a lot of viral you know like viral videos i don't even care about that but not many of them have taken off i don't really care because like the long-term approach of what i do is like i want to make a quality video And anytime someone will search for even if it's something obscure, these videos will show up. It's not like, I can't believe this company did this, or you know, I don't do those sort of videos. So it's not like a short-term short-term look at it, but it's funny watching the stats. I don't know if this interests anybody or not, but I, I almost thought about putting a video together about this just to show you how hilarious a video is on launch. Because some of them get it doesn't matter like i might have 12 minutes watch time on a guitar search saturday video that might go for 15 minutes which is amazing like that's how those videos get pushed but instantly no matter, no matter what the video is you see your subs drop and then they you see this like stat thing go back up it's it's crazy man it really is crazy anyway that's probably just pouring the shit out of everybody um tony g says you should review used gear good solid gear for classic uh sleeper and use yeah well you know what i have done that a lot man i've i've actually reviewed a lot of used gear on the channel not so much the stuff that i would i actually stuff i've bought i shouldn't say that because I, i've bought lots of amps and pedals that were used on the channel and i end up doing reviews on them but um some of the guitars from jerry's also used i don't know if that was clear in the videos or not i probably I don't even know if i mentioned it on some of them um but yeah it's it's like that's a great idea there's so much great used gear on the market that you don't even necessarily need to well not all the time but most of the time you can find something great without having to go to the shops and that's why i really want to showcase that music go around store because some of those guitars didn't even look like they were played which was insane it's like it's got the plastic on the pickups and you can it's like half or cheaper than half the price of a new one it's so crazy <laughs> lost robe says seriously listening three subscri- subscribers when you release a video i have a lot to say about it but it's too profanity laced to uh, that's all right man look i i understand like um not every i think what it is too i gotta keep in perspective the channel potentially can reach say, 100,000 people easily if a video is on topic or more. And there's been videos I did in the last 12 months that got to 150,000 views, I should say, not subscribers or uh, 100,000, whatever. Um, And those videos, those sort of ones that always do well, bring in more subs than than they lose, without question. It's like 99% favorable. And most videos are over time. You'll see that, like... Even if I lost 10 subscribers on a video, two weeks later, that video has brought back those 10 subs or different people, or it goes up into the positives. So it's it's really weird. But I think, I know from a, I watch a lot of YouTube and there's some channels I really enjoy and there's some channels I can't watch. And I'm like, it only just takes one more of those type of videos that I don't like watching for me to go click and unsub. So yeah, I get it. I get it. Not all the videos I make are on on into people's interests. Some people subscribe for the less expensive stuff. Some people subscribe to the pedal demos. If you don't get enough pedal demos, or you don't get enough cheap stuff, or you don't see enough lefties, or whatever the case is, right? People are like, "All right, I'm out of here." So it just happens. It's just no big deal. It just it's just part of it. But it's funny to see just how this happens every video, and it started happening as the channel got to a certain size. You can always traction. If you look at the global statistics, right, of the channel, it never drops in the negatives. I never have videos where people, where the channel is behind the week or day before. So that's always good. It never tracks negatively. Um, so that that's just one of those things. I'm sure if you talk to like Henning Pauly or, I don't know, anybody, Robert Baker or anybody, as big as their channels are, every time they release a video, people unsubscribe. I, I haven't spoken to them about it, but I'd almost say like those channels being similar size to mine or much larger would have the same thing where people subscribe to a certain thing. And if you broaden it too much, people leave. Same with Guitar Search Saturday. As soon as I released the last one, I put like 20 hours into that video. It cost me <laughs> like that that whole trip cost me a fortune. I wasn't sponsored I just wanted to do it. People unsubscribe instantly for Guitar Search Saturday. But the great news is you might I might lose five subscribers on one of those videos. But over the course of the next two weeks, you get 25, 30. So it's like, okay, this is cool. But it's so bizarre. It's a, it's a real, um, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you can't please everybody all of the time unless you just do one thing all the time. And that's not what I want to do. Hutch says, "Sometimes you temporarily lose a subscriber because he or she has hit the wrong button. I've done that. Yeah, you know what? I never really thought about that before, and I'm I'm sure that's a thing because you always, you know, I used to ask people a lot to subscribe, and if they already were, they may have been unsubscribing. You're right. I, I have no idea. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I've stopped sort of asking for that as well. I think that's kind of annoying. I'm just making videos again." without doing any of that stuff. Um, Buzz says, I bought a Larravee Dreadnought. They're great guitars, by the way. Uh, For $200, the music (laughs) goes, oh, wow. (laughs) Plays and sounds better than my Martin or Taylor. I tell you what, mate, they are one of the most underrated acoustic guitars. They are so good. They're like Seagull from, I think they're out of Canada. Amazing guitars for their price. Larravee stuff is like, you know, I, I don't, I'm never going to tell you I'm a like a, an aficionado when it comes to acoustics, but the ones that I've seen of those Larravee guitars are like really nice. So good stuff. Uh, how many active subs are still actively watching? It really depends on the content and sort of what gets traction. You know, if a video gets a lot of watch time, that's when more subs will see it. It's really weird, man. It depends like, this is why you see channels posting just stupid titles about like, oh my God, not again. You know, those kind of things. Because people are like, what? And they click on it and you left like, oh. <laughs> um, so those are the videos. If they get a lot of click-throughs right away, those are the videos that get pushed. But long-term, they only get pushed if the video is good and if people watch the majority of them. So that kind of clickbait sort of stuff doesn't work to your favor long-term. Even though they might get a lot of views instantly. doesn't mean in two years that video is ever going to be found, right? So um, I spoke to, uh, I I think it was, actually, I spoke to Henning about this. I said, like, you know, he's he's under the same impression that, that I am. Like, if you're just doing straight up gear reviews, those videos, they track good long term, but they don't necessarily, you don't go out for the viral hit unless something is new or it's from a company like fender i know when i've been on lucky enough to get it something release day those videos do really well and sometimes you fluke it as well but i never try to um i never try to like i don't want to buy into the the bs of the of that ridiculous themed title and then not all of the time either i see it get overused too often and it's actually put me off like watching content with it because I'm like what am I going to get out of this I'm going to watch a minute of it and go uh, next and then down it goes into oblivion um, just throw an overlay on screen asking viewers to subscribe There, yeah, that's pretty much where it's at now James I even on the guitar search Saturdays I don't think I even mentioned subscribing or anything I, I'm just like um, I'm just looking to do some fun stuff I want to mix up the channel and just keep it interesting because you know after this long you know i'm thankful that i've been able to kind of keep this channel moving for so long it um it's really surprised me like that it's it's still going and it's in a lull there's no question about it but the lull is because of what i've been releasing and i'm well aware of that <laughs> but i also needed a break from certain things that i didn't want to do for a while Otherwise, you just like. I've spoken to lots of people who they make content based on what they know works well, and it's the least fun thing to do. Um, And just clickbait and titles isn't good for you, you know, people who have been watching your videos for 10 years or more. So, yeah, anyway, that's it's a whole discussion. The Pony Boy is 150 US, must be good because there's none available on reverb. Go to his website and grab one from there. Unless he's only selling on reverb now, which I'd be surprised. I've actually met the guy behind those pedals, he's a lovely guy. Um, it's gone up a bit. It was 120 last time I looked, <laughs> but he has sales on too. So yeah, just check out um, is it shelleycustomguitars.com? That's just from memory. He also is a luthier, but he's a like a guru when it comes to Tube Screamer-style pedals and clons. Are there any cha- other channels that can validate what I asked about my understanding of the algorithm? Oh, sorry, man. Uh, is the comments as much as thumbs up? Please correct me. Um, so you're right. I, I missed your, your comment before. Rob, let me... I think you've... Oh, here we go. Shane. I think you've watched me making comments, no matter how short or relevant they are, because my understanding of the algorithm is comments counts. So yeah, it's kind of like any interaction. So if you if you like the video, leave a comment, thumbs up, all that kind of stuff. It, it actually does help. But what also helps is watch time. If the videos aren't good or they don't appeal to people, they don't get pushed. But it also can positively impact. This is why people do giveaway videos. Comment the this comment in the the. Uh, comment section and if you get a thousand comments the video will still get pushed so it does positively impact and that's why a lot of channels do giveaways because they get a thousand people commenting instead of five those videos will get pushed more so it does help but you know it's the same old thing do you want to beg for people's interaction all the time either and i don't know man it's it's one of those things but it yeah it does help so um while the The long-term aspect of it, in my opinion, is watch time and quality, because if the watch time's up, you'll be closer to the top of the search tool anytime someone looks for it on Google or on YouTube or any other search engine, and that's always good. Um, But yes, the comments do help. There's there's no questions about it. Like I started a a bit of a joke channel with Rhiannon um, just to see if we just stuck to one niche and did videos for a month. How big could we get the channel? And it grew to twenty thousand subscribers. <laughs> In like it was about it took about two or three months with very little work. Um, so yeah, I think all of that kind of stuff helps. I think I think the longer something's been someone's been around, the less like people are interacting with it as well. I think there's that part of it as well. I know when I look at older camera channels when I'm looking for something, even though their contents sometimes far better, <laughs> they don't have the same level of interaction that some of the newer channels have, and not necessarily just new channels, but some of the the larger, bigger names. And I think I think that's also part of it as well. Hey, Beclauder, welcome, welcome. Uh, the classic tuning video still comes up for me on this channel. Hey, thanks, man. I think that <laughs> it's up to like three million views. It's uh. Or whatever it's up to. You know what? That was just something I thought, I'm going to put one of these up years ago, and it it worked. This just goes to show you, you can never tell. Um, classic tuning. Yeah, uh, man, I I'd always... You know, I did too. I did that one. I also did a flat tuning one, and the flat tuning one has never popped up <laughs> as often. So if you ever need to look for a flat tuning, check out the In The Blues one. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, fat when the comments section definitely helps. Like I like I said before, when people do giveaways and everybody's commenting, that definitely pushes the video more to people. And then it's at the mercy of the thumbnail, the titles, all that kind of stuff. And 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 lastly, you know the um, the uh, the content itself, right? So yeah, it's sort of. Um, There's all these, like, factors that go into it. Would you encourage a new beginner left-handed guitar player to play left-handed or right-handed? There's so many more righty guitars out there. Did you ever try to play right-handed? I couldn't at all play right-handed. It was by far the worst quirk. Like, I air guitar this way. If you air guitar this way, play left-handed. There's so many lefties. Sure, you might not have the the 9 out of 10 range, but in a way, that can also be less distracting. So, you can find a great selection of lefties in almost any brand now, on the most part. And the ones that you can find will be enough. And I really don't encourage people to play right-handed if you're a natural lefty. Maybe 25 years ago, that might have been true. Even before I started playing, I could find a Strat at most shops or a Telecaster or a 335 or whatever. So, while there weren't all the options that I could get in lefty, I still had enough to get me going. And... No, is the quick answer. I know Mark Knopfler's left-handed, who plays right-handed, but he's a freak. (laughs) And back when he was playing, there might not have been the range of lefties, right? So um, I would say if you naturally air guitar this way, work with it, because your dexterity between the hands are vastly different. I know my precise motor skills, it's, it's just a different thing. Like if I try playing a chord with this hand, and I've tried a lot, I could probably work it out after a while, but it would be a lot of work. Um, And then I can't, like, yeah, I just, my my motor skills in my hands are different too. So I feel like I couldn't play opposite-handed. Not a chance. (laughs) Dalton says, we always talk guitars and gear, but you're always wearing sweat hoodies. Uh, Where do you get your hoodies? I'll tell you why I started wearing these. It's where I live now. It's cold. (laughs) And they're a good sort of like training top as well. Like I, I not, maybe not this one, but I've got a few others that I wear to the gym. So um, for me, it's sort of like uh, it's comfortable. But I'll I'm not. I'll tell you where I get them. I go, go to Target <laughs> in Australia. I go to um, Connor, and I'll also buy them from occasionally from surf shops when they got like huge sales, and I don't have to buy clothes retail price. It's crazy. And sometimes uh, even uh, Cotton On. And that's about it. I don't spend a fortune on clothes, as you can tell. I think this one was probably from somewhere less expensive. It's probably like 10 bucks. You ever tried a righty that you could get, oh, sorry, you ever try a righty that you can't get in a lefty and play it upside down? Um, Yeah, look, we are talking about that earlier. I, I have thought about it, but I've never actually gone out and done it. Mostly, like I mentioned, my arm tends to bump into the tone and volume controls. Lost uh, Rep says Shane, you don't do giveaway. Uh, you don't need to do giveaways. We watch for you. Thanks, man. I, I used to do them every ten thousand subscribers um, for a while, and then you know, again, you're getting people that only want to. If you're doing them all the time, like some channels were doing, I, I warned them. I said, man, people are coming to your channel for for giveaways. They don't care about your other stuff. So just don't. It's probably not a good idea to do it all the time. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. It is it is what it is. You try and give back in other ways. I'm more active in the comments and um, all that kind of stuff. Live streams, if I can make a time and a day to do this more often, I, I'm definitely going to be doing that. Uh, Omen says, I was a righty after injury. I'm now a lefty. That is also very true. That's exactly Jerry's lefty guitar story. He was a right-handed guitar player. And he lost his index finger. And so he's like, I can't play guitar or not as easily. So I'll play lefty. What's available? you know? And you can definitely... Like if I spent a full year playing left... Sorry, if I played a full year playing right-handed, I wouldn't be... I would be probably 10% of where I'm at now if I worked really hard at it, I reckon. But there's certain yeah, I reckon if you're forced into a situation where you can only play one way through injury, you've got all the knowledge in your, in your mind about how the chord shapes are. And then it all comes down to the feel. And I think if you if I was even forced to play, all right, I can't play left-handed anymore. Let's play right-handed. I reckon eventually I'd be okay at it. I probably wouldn't get to back to where I am now, which is wherever that is. <laughs> but I reckon you could get it done. I've there's people that have done that as well. So yeah, it, uh, it's interesting to see, you know, there's people that lose fingers that still play the same way too. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, very adaptable people out there. Are there any businesses in Australia that are like Warmoth? Have you ever considered or got getting a custom Lefty Parts caster made? Yeah, again, I've thought of that quite a bit over the years. Um, in Australia, there's places that sell kits, but not necessarily like, you know, like you choose the cut of wood, choose the finish, choose this, choose that. I, I don't know of anything like that in Australia. So I don't think that's an option. Uh, what was the other part of the question? Have I considered getting a lefty one? i thought about it. Yeah, I'd like to do a project guitar at some point. The problem I always have with this sort of stuff I almost want to get a guitar body that's finished rather than like an unfinished one that I have to spray and do all that kind of stuff. Because the main reason is no matter how good I am with spray paint, when it comes to, I've finished stuff before with it won't ever be as good as getting it done properly. (laughs) So I feel like I could just buy a guitar, like all the different parts that I want and put it into something. That would be a cool experiment. Um, Pitbull guitars. There we go. That's the kit I was thinking about. I couldn't think of the name of it. I've seen them everywhere. Um, They're on eBay. They've also got um, parts in shops that I've I've showcased on the channel. Um, But yeah, I I don't necessarily want to go through the hassle of like spraying and finishing a guitar and all that kind of stuff. I don't really have a work shed here either. So, you know, I'd be doing it outside where there's bugs and it's just like, man, I don't want something getting stuck onto it. It's just a nightmare. So I, I may buy like, I've, I've actually got some really great pickups sitting in the in the cupboard I could definitely use in a project guitar, but it would need to be something that um, I, I could just like use the parts I already have mixed with parts that are already finished nicely and then just put it all together. So I don't know if that's kind of like um necessarily the, the same exact thing of like building a guitar. It's like assembling it more so. I haven't done much of that sort of stuff on the channel. I, I'd like to do something like that at some point. Hey, we've got Music Therapy Laz. Welcome, mate. I think I saw your, um, I think I saw your subscription thing pop up before we a? Did you already do your live stream or is it coming up? Oh, maybe I did miss it. I thought I, oh, anyway, I thought I saw something pop up earlier. Um. Drum rudiments. <laughs> is that it? This is one, two, one, one. Is that what the rudiments are? All right, guys, I'm going to get some lunch before I fade too much. This has been an absolute fun and absolute marathon of a live stream here. What are we up to? We're up to, uh, does it say the time anywhere? What's the time? this is two hours and 34 minutes. That can't be right. I don't know. Anyway, we might wrap this up. If uh, anyone, excuse me, has any last questions, let us know, hang in there. If you're bored by the the recent content, the Jerry stuff or whatever, (laughs) I'm gonna put together some different videos. I know a lot of people like my opinion on gear due to all the hands-on experience. So there's gonna be a few more of those videos talking about different products, what I recommend for different types of players, with actual sound samples and live clips and whatever else put into it as well because I have I stopped doing it for a while but I really feel like that's the kind of thing that um, I'm going to start doing more of coming up mixed with other stuff as well. But anyway, all right, guys, thank you so much. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for subscribing. Um, thanks for the super chats, and, uh, all that kind of stuff and, and for being a part of what I do here. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah. Hang in there with the next couple of Guitar Search Saturday videos. There's one coming up, not the next one, which is still going to be good. But the one after that will be the finale, I I think. And it's hilarious. (laughs) But I'll probably do a live stream before then anyway. All right, guys, take care. Thank you so much for everything. And I'll catch you on the next one. I can't turn this off in the same way that I used to. So what I'm going to have to do now is just hit stop streaming over here. And we'll see if it works. All right guys take